Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Same shot, Cole. Sixty-five Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget. Oh, oh, what, a what a highlight! Iowa Manor! Mind your manners, what a catch! Took it off of Travis Hunter's hat! 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. One final shot. Fowler Nicolosi chucking it into the end zone. Everybody is there. Is it caught? Is it caught? Colorado State! Dallin Holker makes the catch! It's a miracle in Fort Collins. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. For the end zone. Tick. And he caught it. Yes, touchdown. Holy Toledo. Stefan Johnson does it again. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Third down and goal. Six and a half in the quarter. And a touchdown. Tez Walker. His first touchdown catch as a Tar Heel. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. This entire first hour, I think we need it to try to figure out what we watched, what we saw, who's up, who's down, where people are when it comes to college football. As we enter a week, of course, with some great games, including Ohio State, Penn State as one of them, but not the only one. I'm David Smoke with Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke, Jack and Garrett today, uh, running the mothership and behind the scenes as they are, but front and center, too. I had a little notepad as I watched college football, and it was great to just kind of have the entire day. But my goodness, the evidence we have will announce the next two, uh, the last couple of winners, the Texas Beef House, too. But 
Let's start with uh, you go first, Craig. You tell me what was the one thing the most, in, other than Washington and Oregon, in what was a legitimate banger of a game. What came out of your head? There's a bunch, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, wasn't expecting that question to just, hey, we'll talk about anything. Uh, would need to narrow it down and give it some actual thought, All honestly. Right, let's do that. Um, let's do that. But I think that Colorado, to close out the weekend, Colorado State, you heard the the play there at the end, Braden Fowler, Nicolosi, who's a Texas kid with the Hail Mary. I mean, I think seeing a couple Hail Marys. You know, Houston, prior to the weekend, obviously, we talked uh, not about that. Paul did on Friday. We didn't get a chance to talk about that, but that led the weekend, and then Closed it out with a Hail Mary with Colorado State getting their first ever win over Boise State. So, I mean, that's not really what my choice would be, but off the top of my head, that's what comes to mind is the start and the finish to the weekend being Hail Marys and uh, all the stuff in between like Washington and Oregon and a lot of stuff in the the Big 12 being some some very interesting results there. Yeah, I think that the the two two things jump out to me outside of Washington and Oregon is that um, USC has more problems than just their defense. Uh, I think their offensive line uh, is not nearly as good as it, it was, and I think they're a little bit caught off guard by that. Notre Dame was totally ready for them, and every if you, way. If you are, and here's here's what USC has kind of been showing: if you're a national championship caliber team, you don't get beat like that. You just don't. Mm. And they did. Um, Caleb Williams had his worst game ever. It was it was bizarre to see that one, and then. I do think that and Sam Conn wrote a column about it, but I said immediately after the A&M Tennessee game on Twitter, I think you can start the clock on Jimbo Fisher. Right, yeah. right now, it's like what's going on in College Station is is math well, and how long-term that math One really of the things it. he said was, so we've seen all of this, enough of Jimbo Fisher, and this is all A&M has. Is this it? And we know the story about the buyout in one less year than it was when we discussed this last year and two less years than we discussed it a couple of years ago. Uh, uh, Avery Johnson, Josh Hoover, Tez Walker. Everyone knew how explosive UNC wide receiver Tez Walker was as a reason why they were fighting for him to have a chance to play. He proved that. Who are those three? Oh, and Ollie Gordon III, the running back at Oklahoma State, was a banger in what he did uh, with what? He's uh, the second. Uh, the second. Ollie Gordon from uh, Ulysses Trinity High School. Of those four... I don't know how you separate who had the biggest weekend. Uh, Walker at least has played. There's evidence with him prior to that. But what a game for Avery Johnson, Josh Hoover, Ollie Gordon, the second when it comes to the Big 12. Yeah, no, uh, Avery Johnson, uh, another kind of Chris Kleiman, you know, uh, coaching genius move. I don't know, like, if you want to say it. But, look, Will Howard's not been himself since he got banged up in that Missouri game. And if – they were going to let Avery Johnson run like the way he was going to go, then go ahead and ride with it and then deal with it later. He's navigated quarterback situations in the past. Will Howard's navigated them in the past. I mean, heck, he was all, he's been part of it his whole career. So if they can get him healthy uh, as they get in the stretch run and Avery Johnson can provide a spark for that offense, more power to him at Kansas State and – Oklahoma State's playing really within themselves. I'm curious to see what happens when they leave the twilight zone there in Stillwater, if they can still get that kind of juice uh, on the road. But they got two wins in a row that I don't think most people thought they were going to get. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of ground to cover here. Those are three massive performances, uh, and we'll have to spend, you know, more time on each of those and, and each of those teams throughout the week. But, you know, coming out of this weekend, those are three, you know, big-time candidates out of the conference for player of the week. Um, you know, Ollie Gordon, as you mentioned, 
100 yards receiving, 100 yards rushing, uh, scores in both categories, and Oklahoma State suddenly seems to be a team that's uh, got its mojo uh, right and has their you know offensive you know identity starting to come to fruition. I uh, said it last week that they seemed like you know obviously Alan Bowman was going to be the guy, but they were going to ride Ollie Gordon hard, and you know, so long as Bowman played well, they have some good skill guys around him. And uh, that worked again for them this weekend. Uh, that was a big-time win for the Cowboys uh, for Kansas State uh, to go into Lubbock and to just beat up Texas Tech in the end. Uh, you know, it was a close game for a, a large portion, but Tech obviously dealing with a lot of injury issues. And just – I'm just – I haven't been sold on them. You know, like they went and beat Baylor's. Like, so what? Baylor stinks. Um, I think Tech has been, you know, pretty – much in the range like a lot of Big 12 teams of any given week, they're either slightly below average or they're average or they're slightly above average. I think that's where, like, most of the Big 12 hangs. And unfortunately for them, K-State had a secret weapon up their sleeve in Avery Johnson uh, that not many people were expecting to probably see as much of as they did. Uh, And he was fantastic, Uh, you know, handful of touchdowns on the ground, and they just had no answer for him. And and K-State made that look ugly by the end of it. And then, um, yeah, Josh Hoover... Uh, for TCU, you know, maybe he's a better fit for what they're doing on offense now. I don't want to overreact too much, but obviously things weren't clicking the way that you thought that they probably would under Chandler Morris, uh, given, you know, how we had seen him play before and given that he was the guy rolling in to replace Max Duggan. And you see the way that they operated under Josh Hoover. And I mean, that just looked better. It just looked better than, than what we'd seen before. So uh, TCU, maybe with Josh Hoover, again, don't want to overreact too much to one single game, but maybe they're a team that's starting to turn the corner as well and getting back to where we thought they would be at the beginning of the season. All right, uh, so the Big 12, Garrett, do you have the standings uh, to put up the Big 12? And we'll go over the game. Here we are now. Look at who's in second place, Iowa State. All of that with the struggles and the turmoil and uh, the gambling, and yet Look who's right there, Iowa State. Oklahoma State right behind them. Texas still there. They had the week off, as did Oklahoma. Those are the teams, and Kansas State, West Virginia, still much involved. Kansas now, they don't have much room for error. Uh, I know they play not this weekend, but the weekend after that at home against Oklahoma. Then you have TCU and Tech. That was a bad loss for Tech. Uh, Why in the hell, when the freshman quarterback came in, who I thought initially played really, really well, did they stop feeding Taj Brooks? He had 17 carries, I think it was. Give him the ball 30 times a game. But they kept firing away, and initially he looked really good, and then eventually just started to make too many mistakes. And then there's the rest of the Big Ten, or Big 12, excuse me, at the bottom. Well, I mean, Jake Strong played pretty well considering, but it looks like, you know, they're going to have Baron Morton back, I think, as soon as this week, uh, and he'll be the guy again. But, you know, I'm sure we'll see more Jake Strong. But uh, Joey said in the post game that it was, you know, part of what the defense was giving them or what they were showing was why or why they didn't run Taj Brooks. Uh, but I don't buy that. I mean, I understand there's more to it than, than I'm realizing, and they do see things differently. But uh, Taj Brooks is their best weapon. I don't think it's even close or even up for debate that he is. And they were, you know, getting some yardage when he was toting the rock. So to go away from that, uh, regardless of what K-State was showing defensively, I thought was a bit puzzling. Uh, if you're Tech now, you know, like I said, you beat Baylor. I know that felt good because of the history there and the fact that they went and they roughed you up at your place last year. Uh, but again, that's just not a very good Baylor team. And so the big important thing for Tech was how they were going to respond after that and the way the schedule set up. Getting to a bowl game is very manageable, but that Kansas State game now makes it a little bit tougher. And it wasn't just a loss that makes that tougher. It's just that you got, by the end of it, 
kind of embarrassed, you know, when it all was said and done. Now, it wasn't like some – I don't want to act like it was some blowout and they just got ran off the field at home and all of that, but you were feeling pretty down in the dumps as a Tech fan by the end of that one on Saturday yep. night. And, and the fact that it took place at home and that you had won a couple of games in a row and you weren't able to fully follow that up uh, with a better showing. So, yeah, I mean, Jake Strong is a young guy who's still learning. Um, the Taj Brooks thing is, is puzzling. And so we'll see how they, you know, react to that this, uh, you know, upcoming slate that remains. But it's going to be tough for them. Uh, they're starting to kind of skate on thin ice as far as being in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something to monitor for sure. Well, and, and then uh, and Kim Coulter was at the game, sent me a picture right at the 50-yard line. And he's not happy. Uh, he said Joey's full of crap a, a minute ago on the, what he said in the post game. And he and I traded back a few text messages. I love to be able to do that to anyone who's a viewer when they're at a game. Uh, also, here are the teams that are left in in the country who are unbeaten. Uh, and, and we've seen a few go by the wayside, including USC, as Paul brought up, getting smoked badly by Notre Dame. And I, I'm telling you, Shadur Sanders with that late pick, and then Caleb Williams, they're not out of the discussion when it comes to New York City and the Heisman Trophy, but both of them took a hit over the weekend. Garrett, here's the list of the unbeaten teams in college football. You don't I have must it? not have that one. That's my fault. Okay, it is um, Louisiana. Excuse me, uh, James Madison, Air Force, North Carolina, Florida State, Paul, Michigan. Ohio State, they both play each other this week. Washington, Oklahoma, Penn State, and Georgia. Yeah, they're, um, it, it's, it's whittling down. It'll whittle down by at least one uh, this week in that, you know, Ohio State and Penn State's the game of the year of the week this week. And I think that one's going to be another fantastic, fantastic ball game. I think they match up really well together. We'll see how the rest of it shakes out. Air Force uh, keeps finding ways to win. Um, I don't know how much to glean from when we saw them last year in uh, the frozen hellscape of doom, but uh, you know they're a well-coached team, and they might very well haul off and win that conference this year. So um, James Madison's a bummer. You can't go to a bowl game, but... You knew it when you came in, so yep. uh, they'll always have that story to tell uh, about the first year that they came into FBS football. Uh, Liberty with Jamie Chadwell should surprise zero people. I did not zero. I, I did not mention them. Liberty, yeah. the Flames should, with with Chadwell. Yeah, look, the, Hugh Freeze already had recruited some good players to Liberty, uh, and Jamie Chadwell is uh, a very good coach who should be at a Power Five school and may may very well be after this year um, or next. It's coming soon. So shouldn't surprise anybody that Liberty's up there. And, of course, Washington, uh, a game we haven't even uh, well, gotten into yet, um, showed what they can do. Yeah, there's uh, obviously going to be some clearing of the air in the Big Ten. Uh, that's going to resolve itself as far as the unbeatens go with uh, Penn State and Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, Oklahoma, you know, looks well on their way to being a favorite the rest of the way. Georgia obviously looks, you know, like – one of the better teams in the country, although not unbeatable and certainly not unbeatable after the news today um, with their best player, maybe mm-hmm. one of the top five players in college football out for now the year. Um, you know, Liberty, Air Force, those are clearly the smaller schools that uh, are going to be the talk of the town, um, you know, moving forward and depending on how long they can remain unbeaten. But we've talked a little bit about Liberty there with Caden Salter at quarterback, the former Cedar Hill, Texas standout. Um, they've, you know, been – he didn't have a, a monster game like he's had in, in the past, but uh, they've been consistently, you know, uh, taking care of their business. So, yeah, them and Air Force. I mean, Air Force, I don't think you can really go back to last year and carry that over necessarily, but we definitely walked away impressed after the 
you know, worst bowl game that I've ever attended, uh, but I'm sure it was fun for the Falcons fans that were there. And I should conclude JMU in that category as well, although their situation is a little bit different because of the whole, you know, transition uh, that they're going through. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's whittling down, and, you know, Florida State, North Carolina, eventually you see them. Uh, they are on the regular season schedule, Paul? No. North Carolina, so the ACC title game, we could yep. potentially see that. Maybe yeah. a battle of unbeatens. Um, but, yeah, Oklahoma, maybe they run into Texas again, or maybe somebody jumps up and gets them. Although, again, like I said, they're going to be favored in every game the rest of the way. So, really, the Big Ten's where you're going to see this for sure get sorted out. The rest of it, uh, we'll have to see. Yeah. It, uh, to go back on uh, the ACC a little bit, they lost one. They had a potential right. where they would have three yep. unbeaten teams and, like, going to the – Totally arbitrary tiebreaker list, and now after Louisville got handled by Pitt, that's not going to happen. Yes, so. following the win that they had the week before against Notre Dame. Now, Washington and Oregon was everything, absolutely everything advertised. It was a banger. It was two considered could be great teams by the end of the year. Uh, Dan Lanning made decisions to bypass field goals. I, I kind of love that he was being aggressive, but in the end it cost him. And then when he needed a field goal, it was no good. Penix was incredible. Bo Nix was incredible. Uh, I thought that might have been, as, and I'm not trying to have like recency bias, that game there, everybody probably took an ice bath. That was a slugfest of a game despite the score being pretty high. I loved Every second of watching Oregon against Washington. Yeah, there was nothing wrong with that game at all. And it, look, it came down to, you know, uh, a coach being too aggressive. And he he took, he says, 100% on him. It's true. I do think that, I don't think there's a problem really with what he did. Except if you're going to do that, if you're going to be that aggressive, you have to call better plays. And the, like all three plays they called in those three fourth downs that they did not get. The, um, the two earlier in the game uh, that that just led to no points where they could have taken field goals, and the one at the end of the game where they could have punted and made it harder, they did not call good plays, high percentage plays in that. So if you're going to go for it on fourth down, you call the one that's got the most options to get you whatever yards you need and not the this is only going to work if this guy is open. And that's what they did all three of those times. That's why it didn't work. Um does Dan Lanning need to play the percentages a little bit better? Yeah, but you could wind up being Jimbo Fisher in a prison of your own ego and not doing anything. So I'll take Dan Lanning and being aggressive. And also, second year as a head coach, I'll take those growing pains over over most other growing pains. It was incredible. It's uh, everything that you want from a big-time football game, a big-time college football game, the setting, the pageantry, the stakes, uh, all that was you know, in play there in Seattle, and uh, it was awesome. I just wish that I would have been there. Uh, that would have been the only thing that could have made it any better, but definitely thankful that we had the open week so I could sit back and actually watch and not have to go, you know, after the fact and, and rewatch uh, that game. Got to just catch it live and enjoy every minute, not to worry about going anywhere, and uh, it was awesome. And it was uh, everything that I think everybody wanted it to be outside of Oregon fans wanting a different result, but um, I'm you know, think that uh, these two are two of the clear best teams in the entire country. Um, and the race for the Pac-12 title is going to be fascinating. But Washington got a huge leg up there with that win. So, um, yeah, good for the Huskies. The Ducks, I don't think, have much to hang their heads about. It's uh -huh. just that that blemish now 
makes everything else a little bit more complicated for them conference-wise and obviously big picture-wise. They have no room to slip up now. So, uh, yeah, that was that was everything that you wanted and more, I felt like. And, um, you know, I picked Washington, but I thought that that was just a coin flip game. I think I might have said that during the picks is I just felt like maybe Michael Penix plays a little bit sharper than Bo Nix does or, you know, whatever. But I didn't expect that to be anything other than a, a dramatic close type of game, and we got just that on Saturday. We got exactly that. Michigan, I think they were down 7 to nothing. That didn't last very long. They hammered uh, yet another opponent. Here's another stat from Michigan. Remember that last week, uh, Max Olsen's the one that had the stat about what they've done. They are the first team in AP poll history, or since 1936 when it began, to score 30 or more points and allow 10 or fewer points in each of their first seven games of this season. Yeah, there's a gap between them and their competition. There's certainly that. That's true. I mean, you can't leave that out of that stat. But the fact is, is that that stat also shows you that they're it, probably not the first time that there's happened where a team like Michigan has played seven different opponents who are not up to snuff and no one's ever done what they're doing. So the gap between Michigan and everybody else is huge. And there are good teams all across the top 10 or 15 that have either lost a game or come close to losing a game to a team they have no business doing that to, and Michigan hasn't done that yet. So to me, that says something about where they're headed. Yeah, they haven't even been challenged at, at all, really. It's been a very uh, boring schedule, but boring in a good way if you're a Michigan fan that you can just kick back and enjoy Saturdays and uh, watch a really good defense and watch a, a pretty good offense and a pretty good quarterback do their things and just dominate. And that's what they've done. That's what they should be expected to continue to do for, I think, the next couple of weeks. Uh, Michigan State's obviously not anything special this year um, with all that they went through. That's understandable. Uh, but they're 2-4. and four. I don't think that you're really all that threatened, although it's a rivalry game. You never know. But just given the numbers and all that kind of stuff, Michigan should handle them. And then Purdue, I mean, they're – that's clearly another game that they should win. Uh, so, yeah, you're looking at 9-0 and heading into that final month and a pretty easy 9-0 and with that. And then you, you get into Penn State, Ohio State uh, over the final month. So we're going to see them challenged, but we haven't seen them challenged yet. And I think that's a testament to them. But it's also, of course, some of the, the opponents that they're playing, the schedule that they're facing. Uh, but I, I do think they're a good team. It's just that kind of like Georgia early in the year, we just, it's hard to tell how good they are because you haven't seen them even get a run for their money. And, um, you know, part of that's because they're so good. So, uh, yeah, they're they're right there in that playoff mix, and it's all going to come down to the final month for them, barring some just catastrophic trip up. But they don't seem to be a team that you worry about that too much. All right, here are some injury updates in college football. We brought up Craig did Baron Morton, who missed uh, the second half. I thought when he took a shot on the sideline, it wasn't a cheap shot. It wasn't a late hit. But I think he was on the ground and he got hit. And I thought maybe he could have suffered uh, the possibility of a cracked rib or something like that. Here is the update. Don Williams from the Austin, uh, from the uh, Avalanche Journal in Lubbock. Uh, all the injuries in that list, Baron Morton, all of them now are game-time decisions. Morton, of course, came out. We mentioned Jake Strong quite a bit in that game. And, and what he came on, and they just kept firing away, had the long run. I'm not sure after the long run that he didn't just, like, lose all of his cardio. He had nothing left, but he did make some pretty poor decisions. You would think that a freshman quarterback is probably bound to do. Yeah, I mean, he's a freshman that wasn't expecting to play. Uh, he's a third stringer, too, at that. Like, let's not forget they lost Tyler Shuck, and they're already down to QB2, and now it's QB3. So to go and face, of all teams, Kansas State, probably not the, you know, the best – 
first outing to you know be thrown into but you know at the same time like that's why you have to stay ready and that's why you're there so yeah I mean he made some mistakes but they obviously like his future um but with um with uh, Baron Morton, you know, I guess that's good news that he's going to be back so long as he's, you know, closer to 100% and that shoulder's not going to be a nagging thing for him. But, you know, in the post game, Joey brought up, uh, like, the injuries that they're facing and uh, they need to get to that bye week. But they've got another game first before they get to that uh, at BYU. And I don't know how good – I, you know, BYU's record – was good. Um, I think they got a bit of a wake-up call this weekend, and I felt that that was coming for them. I just didn't think that, despite the record, that they were as impressive as the record showed, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, And so I'm very curious about this game. It's not a super late game. It's like a 6 o'clock kick uh, in Provo. Um, But that result's going to be really important for whoever wins that game and whoever's on the losing end of that one, uh, particularly Tech, I think would be in some trouble as far as the postseason goes. But, yeah, that, that's going to be really interesting. Uh, Tech, um, you know, yeah, they've got some questions, no doubt about it. And I don't blame, you know, like you said a comment a few minutes ago, I don't blame that you hear the stuff that you hear and you're like, no, I don't, I don't buy that. Anymore. You know, like that's not, that's not good enough based on their performance we saw on Saturday. So, yeah, they're, they're in a unique spot and how they handle Baron Morton will be really interesting. Yeah, and uh, I hope that they don't, you know, sometimes – trotting out a guy there because you think he's better and toughing out the hurt actually hurts you because they they're just not themselves I, I think it's hurt Kansas State a little bit with Will Howard um, and then you saw this week when they had Avery Johnson ready to go it worked out for them so yeah I think sometimes you like the Willis Reed um, gut it out thing is is kind of silly you know it 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 kind of goes against the nature of what you're doing, and you're, oh, you're happy to see a guy toughen it out, but if he's a shell of himself, then don't let him do that. So we'll see. that You know, Tech needs, you know, to stay healthy at quarterback for a full season, which they haven't clearly been able to do the last couple of years, uh, and hopefully that means that they can do that with Baron Morton for the rest of this year, but who knows? All right. Uh, then there's the story that was brought up a little bit earlier, and now the story about Brock Bowers, the amazing tight end of the University of Georgia football team, two-time defending champions, had surgery earlier to stabilize an ankle. There were thoughts initially it was a high ankle sprain, but they're having to use, and they did the surgery. And I've seen reports from all of the national writers and those who cover Georgia that this is four to six weeks and probably out for the rest of the regular season. That, of course, can change. But what does this mean for Georgia? besides the fact he might be the best tight end in America. Well, I think that just based on what we've seen from Georgia this year, whenever they kind of get in a hole, Brock Bowers is the guy who breaks them out of it. And so my curiosity for him moving, for them moving forward, depending on how long he's out, and he did have surgery on that high ankle sprain. uh, And they, I, I think they probably expect him to be back at some point, but is if they do, in the latter part of their schedule, get in an actual game like they did early on with Auburn, which he bailed them out of, and against South Carolina, which he also had made some plays in, who do they go to to do that? Now, it's Georgia. They're not, you know, walking out saying, alms for the poor and please feed me, sir. But Brock Bowers is the kind of special dude that you don't just go, okay, your turn, other guy. It's a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, he was far and away their leading receiver, um, and they've thrown for a lot of other yards, you know, besides him. I saw a couple of tweets pointing out, well, they've thrown for like 1,700 yards without Brock, you know, and that's still better than majority of the country, and that's all well and good, and, and that may in fact be true, but 
Um, I don't think that those, I don't like, there's so much number stuff in college football. Like everything's like numbers, numbers, numbers. And as a non-numbers guy, like sometimes I feel like you can like over number things sometimes. And I think that's the case of doing that. Like, yeah, they've got other great weapons, but like that dude was their safety valve, their security blanket, whatever you want to call it. And clearly one of the best players in the country. So I don't care how well you've recruited. I'm not saying that they automatically are going to lose a game, but to think that they're not going to, you know, be hurt by this, I think would be uh, foolish. So yeah, this is going to sting. It stings just for college football that a great player like that's not going to be involved in potentially some of the biggest games down the stretch and potentially at all the rest of the way. Um, So yeah, that just, that just stinks in general, but yeah, they've got a lot of talent. It's just that there's the, there's that again that safety valve that you could always rely on that's no longer going to be there for Carson Beck and company. So uh, how different that looks, I don't know, but it's it's definitely a blow. It's one that would debilitate other programs. And for Georgia, yeah, you might be talented enough to play around it, um, but it's still going to sting for for the foreseeable future. And one other injury update: a local note, uh, Tanner Mordecai, the quarterback at Wisconsin, went out with a hand injury. He had a pin put in his hand. He's expected to be out for at least the immediate future. Not exactly sure what the timetable or timeline might be. It's unknown, according to Pete Thamel, and then other reports after that as well. And Wisconsin has lost their starting quarterback, Tanner Mordecai, for at least a few weeks. He was playing okay. He wasn't lighting the world on fire up there at Madison, but I hate it for him because we obviously you know, like Tanner and, and know Tanner. Um, but, yeah, got his hand dinged up. Iowa's defense, man, you know, I sit here and poo-poo on Iowa and just how egregious their offensive play is. Uh, but you can't deny the results. And they're looking at, what, a one-loss regular season, maybe a two-loss regular season, the way things are going right now. And they're going to win 14-7 to seven most weeks or shoot if they get to 14. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's a blow for Wisconsin. Um, but I think that – you know, Iowa was what impressed me in watching that game because uh, Tanner definitely struggled like most teams do against that defense, and it's not pretty, it's not sexy at all, and it's definitely not what I would want to necessarily watch week in and week out for a majority of my life. But, hey, for Iowa fans, it's winning football, and it works more often than it doesn't, and it worked against, against Wisconsin as well. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're a tough out, and uh, that's a tough break there for, for Wisconsin. Somebody asked in the chat room real quickly about Walter Nolan. I have not seen any update on his injury. He went out during their game and the loss to Tennessee. A, a ton, and a ton of pain on the cart. Yeah. Uh, that was, I mean, CBS kept showing his face uh, and how much pain he was in. So I'm hoping it was, it was not as bad as it looked, as far, especially based on his, uh, his, his reaction. For Iowa, and, and for, for just to go back on Tanner a little quick uh, there, you know, they needed 10 more points to win that game, 16 to 15. I think that he, he had played the whole game, they have a better shot at that. But that defense is just so unbelievably good. Um, I mean, still ridiculous offensive malpractice. They 37 yards passing and won that game. Uh, Wisconsin's, I'm sure their coaching staff has gone, how do, like, I know their defense is good, but it can't possibly be, we can't score 16 points good. Well, I mean, that's what yeah, people was, say every yeah. week, right? But that's yeah. what we, oh, you know, we make fun yeah. of them offensively, Craig. You're right. But my God, they win. They win. They win games. It's not they're pretty, but they one. win. Yeah, <laughs> six I agree. and one, and they're going to probably be favored in you know more, more of their games moving forward. I don't know if their schedule off the back of my hand, but Minnesota, Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, and Nebraska. Yeah, five and zero. Oh. I mean, probably five and zero. Oh. Uh, Minnesota, yeah, give me that. Give me Northwestern. Give me Rutgers. Give me Illinois. Give me Nebraska. Give me them to beat all those teams. Uh, you know, maybe they trip up in Lincoln at the end of the year. Maybe somebody gets them before that. But yeah, I mean. 
they uh they don't do it the the sexy high flying way like that Wisconsin eventually wants to be able to do it. And maybe you're right, Paul. But prior to getting hurt, he was 12 of 20, 106, no scores. Um, obviously, would have had a lot more numbers. Um, but who knows? Who's to say? Uh, he was getting a lot of pressure, and uh, eventually that pressure got to him. And just the way he's his arm was going, and and the way the hit happened, it was just kind of a freaky deal that that he got a break there. But yeah, I hate that for Tanner. This is his last college football season finally his last college football season i think right there's no like seventh year parachute for COVID or something i think this really is his last season so i hate to see him uh not being able to play you know to the best of his abilities all right so um former baylor defensive coordinator phil snow not sure you guys have seen this or not has been hired by the chicago bears as a senior defensive analyst he was with Baylor, he was at Temple. He's also been around the NFL before uh, with Matt Rule. And then when Matt, Matt Rule went to Carolina, he went to Carolina. We've had him on this show. He's a great dude, tremendous storyteller. He will now at least be an analyst for the Chicago Bears. And what a wild day it was yesterday in the NFL, but that's yet another part of the, the story. Just another slowdown and an obstacle in my way of getting he and Phil Bennett to do a podcast called Get Your Phil, uh, which I honestly think would do very well. If we yeah. could get them in the same room and just do episodic things and, you know, maybe just leave the camera on and leave the room and then come back and edit it later um, and, and just have them talk about football. But and find that you can't show anything but like 30 seconds yeah. of an hour conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you could uh, on YouTube, right? Yeah. yeah. But uh, Matt Matt Eberflus needs all the help he can get in Chicago right now. Uh, as the Panthers continue to tank, though, uh, the Bears are doing well, so they'll they'll have maybe the first two picks in the draft uh, as it stands right now. But yeah, they need all the help they can get. Good for Coach Snow. You know, I think that we see this a lot of times of guys, you know, going into retirement or what have you, and then these analyst jobs opportunities pop up it just feels like we're talking about that a lot more than we used to whether it be the nfl or college so yeah i don't see how it can hurt um chicago in the slightest to get a a guy like him with the mind that he has and the wisdom that he has on that staff and uh hopefully help improve some things but yeah i guess uh, just he felt that itch still and decided Mm -hmm. to get back into it as we so often see so good for him here is the schedule in the big 12 we've shown you the standings and now here's what we have this weekend with the time to the left the rankings in parentheses, and then who and what network will carry the game. 11 o'clock, you have UCF at Oklahoma. You have Baylor at Cincinnati. Our pregame on Saturday will be right here at 9 o'clock in the morning. Oklahoma State off of what they've been able to do to get back in this thing at West Virginia. Uh, Probably you could look at that almost as an elimination game, perhaps, as far as playing for the Big 12 title. Who knows? Texas plays at Houston in a game that's been much anticipated Texas Tech at BYU, and TCU plays at Kansas State after both of them getting invigorating wins over the weekend. Yeah, um, this one is maybe the, I don't know, the Oklahoma State at West Virginia is going to be really interesting given uh, how both of their their last weeks went. Uh, Oklahoma should be able to uh, handle that UCF run defense pretty well, especially at home. Baylor and Cincinnati, um, I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know. Um, you know, we'll see if te- if Houston can gather some momentum. BYU and Tech both need a win, and TCU and Kansas State's the best one. Uh, Oklahoma should roll UCF based on what we've seen so far, but UCF coming off of an open week, maybe they got a little something up their sleeve. Maybe they've regrouped a little bit. Maybe Oklahoma's a little cocky, um, you know, but I think just based on what we've seen on paper with Dylan Gabriel and 
what they can do. That's going to be a really tough go for Gus Malzahn and company. Baylor Cincinnati is just a yuck bowl. Um, you know, I was sitting here earlier. I was searching because I just, you know, I, I, I like Dave Aranda. I know that's always a caveat, but like even just listening to the press conference now, it's just like, come, like what are we, what are we doing here, right? Like, let's get to the game and see how they look because the talking's been what it is, but. The results have been something else entirely. If they go up there and lay an egg against Cincinnati, like you're losing the fan base. I'm sorry, but like there's just I don't think there's any way you recover from that. I mean, do y'all, do y'all disagree? No. Coming no. off an open week no. with all that's happened, if you go up to Cincinnati, who's zero and three in the Big Twelve, who's just not very good. Let's be honest about it. And n- neither is Baylor. But if you go up there and you lay an egg, then I mean, I just don't know how you can possibly talk people back into the stadium after that. So that's a highly important game for them. For Cincinnati, obviously, to win their first Big Twelve game would be huge, and here's a golden opportunity against one of the worst teams in the league in Baylor. So that'll be interesting from that standpoint. Um, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, that's really intriguing. I mean, we haven't really touched on I guess Paul probably talked about it on Friday, but West Virginia, what a heartbreaking loss. Uh, what a gut punch. And, you know, you, know, you had the, the ideal scenario – Full motion, just one play away, and here comes uh, Houston with the Hail Mary to to crush your dreams. So uh, with Oklahoma State playing the way that they are and West Virginia coming off that loss, I do think that's kind of an elimination-style game. Texas should probably roll Houston, uh, but let's see if the Cougs can put up a fight in a unique one-time-only situation hosting the Longhorns. Uh, Tech-BYU we talked about earlier, that's – I don't know if it's an elimination game, but it kind of de facto, it'll separate those two teams in the big picture as well. And I think that'll be a, a, a bowl game importance type of game for whoever wins that one. And then TCUK State's clearly the best game of the weekend in the Big 12 and, and the one that's got the most intrigue and the one that's the best matchup uh, on paper and based on the eye test as well. So, yeah, that, that ought to be a fun one because now with Hoover, you wonder if the Frogs are starting to get it together. And then with Avery Johnson, same thing. I mean, yep. Both those young quarterbacks who came in and put on shows this past weekend and made you forget about the guys who, you know, got all the attention beforehand. So that one is definitely looks different, but it looks pretty fun as well based on what we saw in the Battle of, of Purple. Big 12 players of the week, including Josh Hoover of TCU and Ollie Gordon, Oklahoma State running back, is the co-offensive players of the week. Avery Johnson of Kansas State, the newcomer of the week with that five-touchdown performance. Kobe Savage, we had on the show during Big 12 Media Days. K-State uh, almost had three picks. He's the defensive player of the week in Iowa State's Chase Contreras, special teams player of the week. I was wondering how they were going to separate all three of those names. Who I, That's why I started off the show the way I did. Hoover, Avery Johnson, and Ollie Gordon, how they would figure that out. And one of the, I guess... Uh, the ways to do it was the fact they could put somebody as a newcomer and rather than have all three who probably deserve to be the offensive players of the week too. Yeah, I mean, the the newcomer does definitely help as far as Avery Johnson goes. Uh, you could have done that, like you said, with Josh Hoover as well. Uh, he was good. I just think that, you know, quarterbacks get a lot of the love. Hoover had a couple of picks. I mean, he was still very impressive, don't get me wrong. Um, but I just think when you have a running back get over 100 yards receiving and rushing and scoring both, I, I think that that's just something that we don't see all that often. And so I'm more impressed by that than I am by the quarterback throwing for four touchdowns or 300-plus yards or whatever. That's just me, though, um, because I think what Ollie Gordon did was a bit more unique. But for those two young guys, I mean, they definitely deserve the accolades as well. So I don't think you could have gone wrong, and I think they probably handled it about as well as you could, as much as I hate co 
players of the week. I think in this situation, that was uh, deserving for all three, if you wanted to do it that way. But yeah, the newcomer does help that. Um, but yeah, if I had to, if I had to pick one, Hoover was super impressive. Johnson was super impressive. I also think they benefited from a little bit of the surprise factor as well that we haven't seen much of those guys, if any. So with Ollie Gordon, that's something that's been ramping up now for mm-hmm. the past few weeks, and that's become commonplace for him to be on some of these lists. And, uh, yeah, if you haven't watched him, he's the bell cow, and he's a big part of the reason why Oklahoma State seems to have figured some things out. One of the things, and uh, we're going to take a break here and come back with the bangers in the top 25 and also look at that too. Uh, but one uh, note I'll always remember about Ollie Gordon when he was at Trinity High School, U.S. Trinity, in a playoff game, I think it was against Allen. Uh, I think South Lake Carroll eventually took uh, Trinity out, but Ollie Gordon had a, a game with 40-plus carries in a playoff game for around 300 yards in a shootout game against Allen, where Kyler Murray once was, not when he was there at that time. But he is a guy that can t- handle the load, and the more, the better for him. When and it was also a top 25 win. I mean, Kansas has dropped out of it now, but at yep. the time they beat number 23 as opposed to beating – uh, tech or beating BYU. So that's also why I gave him a little bit of a nudge. But Absolutely. again, that's, that's a good weekend for the Big 12 as far as having some new faces and some fresh names that are at the top of the marquee. And uh, they certainly got that this weekend. Who, uh, we discussed Washington and Oregon. Is there a game like that coming up this weekend? There appears as if there probably will be. And we will get into that and more. Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke, I'm David Smoke. And this is 365 Sports. Waco Custom Marketplace has posted their specials for this week, and it starts with yellow fin tuna this week for $14.75 a pound. They have a butcher shop with seafood, pork, poultry, and beef. Uh, there's also whole chickens for $1.25 a pound, tri-tip $4.99 a pound, chuck roasted $5.85 a pound, and select beef fillets at $10.99 a pound. When you walk in the door off to the left, there's a lobster tank. And then there is the, the butcher shop in an L shape where you have, uh, again, starting with seafood, then pork, and, and then uh, poultry. And in the back, they've got a hard, large, and I mean full of what you want when it comes to beef. There's a bakery that does whatever you want when it comes to cookie cakes or cakes or any kind of sweets, including fresh baked kolaches every single day. All of what you would need in a grocery store from canned goods to pasta to bread and more is available too. And then they have these tubs that are cold that have brisket and tri-tip. And even if you want some sort of a crawfish boil, they have that. They have the frozen crawfish tails. And then there's fresh and cold. I say fresh, cold beer and wine. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. Some say a dog is a man's best friend but i tell you what boys you better think again cause there ain't nothing better than some cows pigs and turkeys too i love to cover them in sauce down in rudy's barbecue bring all your friends to rudy's for some tasty oak smoke barbecue next in line During Jeep Adventure Days, say big on 2023 Jeep models like the Grand Cherokee Limited with values up to $5,500 or 10% off MSRP on new Jeep Gladiators on all trim levels or 10% off MSRP on a new Jeep Compass at Allen Samuels in Waco. 
Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Let Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction with a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you. Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, warm. Welcome home. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. We have the Rangers game against the Astros on over there. And so if we look distracted at times, we are. Uh, Paul's a Red Sox fan, but obviously his father was a huge Rangers fan. The Rangers have scored a couple of runs in the top of the first after a 2 nothing win in Game 1, and they are just playing incredible. Long, long way to go, but they do get off to a nice start in Game 2 in Houston. Yeah, I'm going to try to be as professional as possible while this is going on in the background. It's going to be really hard to stay focused, though, depending on how this game goes. Obviously, massive Game 2 in Houston um, and, yeah, quite the start, but they've got a replay already slowing things down, so doing their best college football impression uh, right here out of the gates. But I bet they'll be faster than the Big 12 crew um, uh, with the video reviews. I'm almost positive about that. Yeah, I, I thought that uh, there was a throw at first about whether uh, Grossman was in line, but it looked like he was fine. But you never know. I mean, it, it could, could cost him a run and then also even an out, too. So we will see. Here are the bangers. Here are the bangers 
Saturday, 21st on Saturday, you have almost an Oregon-Washington type feel at Ohio State at the Horseshoe, 7th-ranked Penn State at number 3 Ohio State. We'll do the games and come back and discuss them. Tennessee at Alabama. Uh, Duke plays at Florida State in Tallahassee. And then Utah with a nice win over the weekend playing at 18th-ranked USC after getting bludgeoned by Notre Dame. FSU is 19-0 against Duke, and in any of those games, I have never been worried. So this is a first. You are worried. I am very – look, Duke is an absolutely astoundingly well-coached team. Uh, I said FSU, Duke is. Duke is so well-coached. And not that FSU isn't, they clearly are as well, but those are the kind of teams that beat teams that are more athletic than them. The ones that – you know, you are just so good in the little things that you can overcome. Like, well, these guys are a little bit faster, mm-hmm. but they are more reckless. And so that's that's one to watch. And I think Penn State, Ohio State, oh, my gosh, what a great one. What a great one. Yeah, the, can you put that back up there, Garrett, just so I can remember? Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, Penn State, Ohio State, elimination game there. Or not elimination, but, uh, you know, obviously somebody's getting their first loss, so it's a de facto elimination game in that – uh, division race and in the playoff picture so that's got huge implications and i bet we'll have a, a massive audience as it should but that's that's going to be so much fun i mean i'm sure we'll talk about that to death by the end of the week but i mean rightfully so that's a, a just a massive supernova of a matchup uh tennessee bama it's weird tennessee got that win over a&m and they're five and one but i don't feel like it's really like that big of a deal that they're five and one it just i guess compared to last year right when they were just the toast of the town every single weekend uh, it just felt like, you know, they were on the, the tip of everybody's tongue. And this year, like, oh, yeah, by the way, they're 5-1. and one, And, you know, they're going to play Bama in one of the big rivalry games. And so, you know, that's obviously going to have a lot of passion attached to it. Um, and maybe, I mean, for an 11 versus 17, for everybody else, that'd probably be a big deal for this game. It just seems kind of like whatever. It's just sort of there. I don't know. It's, it's strange. And maybe that's just the part of the country that I'm in. Um, and by the end of the week, maybe that'll be different. But that's, that's obviously got some... Uh, some big things attached to it as well. Duke, Florida State's very intriguing. Um, you know, who can knock off the Knowles and, and can it be Duke? I don't see why not, but man, Keon Coleman, uh, you know, saw so much talk about oh, him this please. past weekend. Imagine where Florida State would be if the transfer portal didn't exist and you could go and grab a guy like that this past offseason. Um, but thankfully for them, for them, they were able to. And, and man, he is a. He's just a, a freak show. Uh, so that'll be fun to see Mike Elko and, and a very solid Duke team try to, you know, fend off the Knowles or, or upset the Knowles. And then, yeah, Utah, USC, been a weird year for Utah with the whole Cam Rising situation. Obviously, USC starting to peter out a little bit, and that was not a good showing for them this past weekend. I wasn't surprised by that, though, guys. Like, it just felt like they were playing with fire, and then Notre Dame coming off of a loss and being at home and having a good quarterback and not just the same old kind of jag there, having a real guy back there that can make some plays, not to mention a great running back and so on and so forth. Um, that that wasn't necessarily surprising, but USC's got to be careful now because it's it's a little bit of a tricky situation uh, with this Pac-12 schedule being what it is and the expectations being what they are. So yeah, that's that's not a lot of games, but those are four really interesting and, and fun games to look forward to. You, you know, if I was Michigan State going back, uh, that's where Keon Coleman was. Mm-hmm. Like the one thing I would fire Mel Tucker for was the bad thing, the first thing, the reason he did get fired. Yeah. But the second thing I would have fired him for is you had this dude and now the world knows about him? Come on. Yeah. Like that's that's where 
that's where the coaching crimes comes into it is you've got Keon Coleman and the world finds out about him when he's at another place. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's not good. That's no, not good. It's, it's not. It's now four nothing Rangers, by the way, in the top of the first. And they also had a bad call against Jonah Heim on a foul tip that hit the dirt, but they called him out. Yeah. Coleman's matched his touchdown total from last year already. He's still got a ways to go yardage wise, but based on the halfway point, and what he's done already at this stage, he should be over 1,000 yards, and he was slightly under 800 yards last season. But, yeah, he's matched the seven touchdowns already, so he's well on his way to having the the monster year that some thought that he could have. And, yeah, that's just a little extra salt in the wound of Michigan State fans who already have enough you know, salt uh, to – sting right now but that one is just a little cherry on top that makes it even more brutal some uh, uh in the comments in the chat room the last one i just happened to see bobby b gundy speaking of oklahoma state they've kind of come out of the the hole gets it done every single year despite roster challenges half the fan base who inexplicably don't like him he is a winner and he has been doing that for 17 years despite how last year kind of fell apart in the middle of the season and onward yeah, I mean, I think some of the criticism was fair. You lose to South Alabama, all due respect. Right. Uh, but that one, you know, but then again, you look at it and you're like, all right, well, sometimes you just get beat by a team that you're not supposed to get beat by. That that happens every year in college football. The problem with them losing to South Alabama was they hadn't been too impressive in the couple of games prior to that. Uh, and then they turned around and they got beat by Iowa State, which at the time, did we think Iowa State was all that good? Not, not so much. But now you look at that and you're like, all right, a seven-point loss to the Cyclones who might be in the freaking Big 12 title game when it's all said and done, the way things are going. Uh, that's actually not that bad. But, you know, you needed to see more proof in the pudding, and now back-to-back wins over K-State and Kansas. Um, that's that's uh, vintage Mike Gundy, and that's him, you know, getting this team back on track. And, and I think that they've got good defense. They've got good skill guys. Um, but Ollie Gordon and Alan Bowman just kind of being that, that centerpiece for them on offense that you just kind of revolve around. Uh, and not having the quarterback rotation and all that stuff, that's helped immensely to just kind of know who the guy is and follow the lead of Alan Bowman and Ollie Gordon and, you know, your wide receivers and your defense. I mean, they've, they've got a good team when you look them up and down, and I think that's starting to show. If you are an Oklahoma State fan who doesn't like Mike Gundy, I think that part of that is it's just you've been with him for a long time, and somewhere in your brain you think that, Nick Saban's out there for you. You know, when what Mike Gundy has done at Oklahoma State is nothing short of amazing and to be that consistent and that good. And, like, sometimes you're going to find yourself in a bit of a talent hole. And guess what he's doing right now? Even though it wasn't a great start to the season, the last couple weeks now that they're in conference, he's finding a way through the storm. So, I think enjoy Mike Gundy. I mean, I know he's not the coolest guy in the world, and you may not. He's prickly. Yeah, I mean, like, you're not, you know, George Clooney's not your head coach. I'm sorry. You know, it, but he's not anybody. So enjoy what you have because he is successful. Because it could be worse. You could be nowhere near the top of it, and people could forget about you all the time. Well, yeah, I don't know what the temperature is after, you know, getting to four and two now. Maybe that's cooled off a little bit from some of the angst that there was post South Alabama and when they got off to a bit of a rockier start and they were sitting there at two and two. Um, but this, this is Kirk Ferentz. Like, this is your guy, right? And it might not be the sexiest way to win, but is anybody going to win more than he does at Iowa? Is anybody going to win more than Gundy does in Stillwater? It's a great point. Nobody has. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it might not be the most satisfying, you know, you know, drink of coffee or, you know, whatever, the tastiest item on the menu, the most fun movie to watch, but it gets the job done. And, and right now they're, they've set themselves up where, you know what, they can make a lot more noise down the stretch if they keep playing the way that they've been playing and – uh 
you know, it's been uh, it's been fun to see them turn this thing around. Sergeant Pickles, congratulations, University of Washington Huskies fan. Yeah, congratulations on that imagine. win. I did what I said I was going to do. I uh, I got back to my condo and I had the queso dip and I just sat there and watched that game and enjoyed every second of it. Many times, probably do what I don't do enough is just put my feet up and just watch college football, and it was everything you could imagine. Yeah, I don't know about y'all, but on a day like that, I kept checking, like, do I need to be somewhere? Do I need to – am I supposed to – am I allowed to just sit here and not do anything and just watch and not have to worry about going to a stadium or something? Mm-hmm. It was very weird, but uh, once I kind of settled in and realized, like, yeah, no, this is this is what you're allowed to do, uh, and I could just fully embrace it, uh, that was a game that – um, made my weekend to watch and be able to just sit back and enjoy and catch the, the entirety of and man enjoy it enjoy it because there's way you know uh, bigger games the more you win the bigger the games become as, as you go along so there's there's just going to be bigger and bigger games but that one was huge and, and that's the two future Big Ten teams there you know going at it and uh, obviously the you know, two teams that feel like they should be the last pick Pac-12 champions. And so uh, that that whole conference race is going to be fascinating. But those are two, you know, big dogs going at it. And the Huskies, the, the biggest dogs on Saturday, no doubt. So, yeah, live it up. I want to go back to Oklahoma State, though, for a second. So West Virginia this weekend in Morgantown. And West Virginia, like, that could be pesky. But y'all, I mean, Cincinnati at home. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma, okay, Oklahoma, that's going to be tough. Do y'all realize outside of West Virginia and Cincinnati, four of their last six games are all the newcomers? Yep. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati, then Oklahoma, at UCF, at Houston, and then BYU to close out. So they close with three of the four newcomers, and they get the fourth one prior to that. So, yeah, I mean, that Morgantown game is going to be really interesting this Saturday afternoon. And if they can win that one, uh, then they're setting themselves up for a really – strong finish as favorites in every game but that Oklahoma game. And I don't know what the line is on the West Virginia game right now, but that does feel like it's a little bit of a, a coin flip. And being in Morgantown maybe makes it a little bit more interesting. But, yeah, I mean, they, they're at least favored to win four more games. And where they're sitting at now, you're looking at eight wins, maybe nine or ten, depending on if things get super squirrely. And given where they started, I'm not complaining about that too much if I'm a Cowboys fan. All right, I just put the link up uh, just now for the Texas Beef House College Football Pick'em Contest. Winning this week was Zach Dops from near Seattle, Washington, by the way. How ironic is that since he is uh, from where close to that game? Well, it was played in Seattle. Thomas Williams of Kansas City finally tracked him down, was the winner a week ago to the Texas Beef House College Football Pick'em. Those are the two winners. Congratulations, Zach Dops from Washington State and Thomas Williams from Kansas City. Yeah, everything coming up Seattle, I guess, uh, here lately. Yeah. But, yeah, good for them. Good for uh, those picks, uh, you know, good for them to, for making those picks, I guess, and getting getting them right more than anybody else. And, uh, yeah, cool deal. Enjoy the Texas Beef House, as we know so many people have before. In fact, Mr. Dops now takes the lead in the overall standings with 44 total points, M. Barr 43, and then a couple at 42, S. Moser 18, and also D. Loverud. Loverud or whatever it might be. Sir Bob is right there at five. want to bring you up at number five. So congratulations to both Zach and Thomas for winning the $100 gift certificate to TexasBeefHouse.com. And as I said in the chat, thanks, a special thanks to Kim Coulter for making that happen. When we come back, we're going to look at the, uh, more on the Big 12. A couple more notes in college football from the Media Blitz email that I get. A comment or two from Dave Aranda and you. This is 365 Sports. 
There's a retired brigadier general. His name is Tom Turlington. He lives in the central Texas area. I've known him for a long, long time. He sent me a text. He is still practicing, even though he's retired. He still is practicing. And he sat there and sent me a text earlier this afternoon trying to get in touch with somebody at Ideal MRI. I gave him the link. I gave him Dr. Rob Maxey's number to contact. He had a patient that he wanted to get an MRI and he wanted to use who we have as a sponsor at IdealMRI.com. State-of-the-art technology MRI machine and also $497 or less every single time. Never more and sometimes less. They will help you with the entire process. They will contact you based on your doctor sending in a request for an MRI. They will then set up the appointment. They'll be in touch with you there and then also help you even file the insurance papers that could possibly knock off that 497 to even lower. The process once you get there is very calm, very collected, and also very efficient. I've been in there four different times. They're fantastic, the techs and the specialists. Ideal MRI in the Central Texas Marketplace, just off I-35 in Waco. The right call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award-winning lineup of best-selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F-150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sikkim Bears. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. John's Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year aging room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley, John Schumanor in the Townwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon wrap fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links, fresh chicken 
chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend's Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. All right, uh, the chat room going crazy. It's been another weekend where you could discuss and have fun and maybe talk some trash or be disappointed or just be kind of happy with a win, and we'll get to some of your thoughts on that too. Also, uh, on Avery Johnson, and every time I say that name, I think about the former guard, uh, Mavericks head coach, Spurs guard for a while, but this is from Seth Hastings. Just wanted to throw this in here. Avery Johnson, KSU quarterback, handful of touchdowns, was actually five, highest this year so far for one player. He is only a freshman. We did bring him up, Seth. You may have missed the opening segment and also mentioned that he's the newcomer of the year, and he was fantastic and very lightning fast. You need to put some, maybe some uh, meat on his bones, but he's a freshman, and sometimes that's not easy to do the first year, but well, they will at some point. Not much you don't want to slow him down, but like get him, get him filled out, get some protein shakes in that guy, uh, let him learn how to throw the ball a little bit so you have some diversity in your offense. But overall, I, I mean, I think the future is very bright for Avery Johnson. Yeah, I think he, he's you know, obviously a supremely talented guy, you know, how defenses adjust to him, but will be the real tell over time. But right now, I mean, they've got, they obviously had tech guessing and not knowing how to defend him and the five touchdowns. I was looking at that yesterday. It's uh, it's just silly. I mean, it really is uh, even for teams that, you know, get down near the goal line and run their quarterbacks a lot, but that's not the case. It was like they were stat padding or anything like that. Right. It was mm-hmm. just him making plays. And so it's not very often you see five touchdowns. It's not in the passing category. So that was pretty cool and unique to see that. And, um, you know, there were a lot of rumblings about Will Howard, especially after the Oklahoma state game and the way that he had played and, you know, just how all that was going to work out. And there were definitely a lot of calls for the young kid to come in there and, you know, give him a, a spark, and he did just that. And how they handle that moving forward is going to be fascinating. I, I don't know if Clemens talked already, or if he talks Tuesdays. I can't remember. I'll I'll watch whatever whenever he does, or, and um, you know, be interested to hear what he has to say about how they're going to handle that moving forward. But yeah, they've got a. They knew they had a good young star. They just didn't know they were going to need him yet. And now I'm fascinated to see how much you know they do try to get out of him. Uh, the rest of this year we have the group chat there's a lot of different texts i guess you could say uh, like we have one that's for the show we have one that's for the entire group of people but we have one paul and craig i sent one about will howard garrett you're in it as, as well but is that there was a run that he had and i don't remember if it was a second quarter whatever quarter it was but it was like a third and ten and he had a chance it appeared to me and last year would have most likely run over the defensive back and gotten the first down because he was really good at that and he just kind of like I'm not saying that he um, backed away from the contact, but it just he does not have that oomph. Plus, he's probably a little bit worried about the injuries he's dealt with too. But uh, and then and Johnson, you just hard to get him, uh, and he was always like just poof, 
like finding ways to get free. Scotty B, thanks for the note on Texas Beef House. He won it a couple weeks ago. The summer sausage from Texas Beef House is the bomb. We appreciate you telling us that. Yeah, glad you enjoyed it, Scotty B. And uh, I think, too, like you're right about the weight and stuff, Like, but I don't think he's built like the scrawny, you know, like, Haynes King or something yeah. coming out of high school. I think he, you know, he, he, but he definitely has some room to grow. But I think he's, you know, better built for a true freshman than a lot of guys you might see as true freshmen. Um, and yeah, he's he's quick and and he's he's a handful as Joey McGuire and and that Tech defense learned all too well this past Saturday. So yeah, that was a that was a big coming onto the scene moment for him uh, as well as Josh Hoover in Fort Worth. And uh, you know, Ollie Gordon has been doing that now for a few weeks, but I think now more people have definitely taken notice with, with what's going on in Stillwater. Kansas State, Kim was at the game. Kansas State did what Kansas State does, nothing different. They just did what they do really consistently and really well. And that's been their MO. That's why the week before was kind of a surprise because it looked like they got themselves a little bit out of who they are and got beat up a little bit. But that was a nice bounce-back win for them in what is always a great crowd and crazy atmosphere in Lubbock, Texas. Well, the feelings coming out of that lost Oklahoma State were, for one, you didn't know how good Oklahoma State was. So it felt like a bad loss in some ways. But now you realize, like, maybe it's not that bad of a loss. And then all the concern over Will Howard and how he looked and how dinged up he was, but how he was playing and all of that. And fortunately for them, it took less than a week to answer a lot of that, you know, frustration and concern. And Chris Kleiman uh, was able to, you know, make a, a big uh, statement, I think, in how they just went to work, retooled, uh, re, you know, did some things or, or changed some things, and uh, they're well back on their way and back on course the, the way they were prior to that loss to Oklahoma State. So, yeah, I mean, outside of that one, which, again, appears to, like it was to a you know pretty good team, um, and then the Missouri walk-off, I mean, that's, that's K-State's two losses right there. So they're definitely in a good position uh, moving forward, as is, is Oklahoma State. And I think for Texas Tech, the disappointing part was – you know, all the injuries, sure, but uh, just a big missed opportunity at home. And the fact that you couldn't be competitive with them down the stretch as far as, you know, scoring points. Uh, they were able to just, you know, outlast you and outscore you there in the second half. And you really didn't have uh, much to muster up except for early on in the third quarter. And that was the last you were able to, to put points on the board. And you just can't do that, uh, you know, especially against the young guys running for five touchdowns against you. Um, so, yeah, Joey in that offense – uh, I know there's a lot of frustration over Kitley off and on this year. Um, but, yeah, that, that too. A lot of quarterback situations are interesting, but that one too will be moving forward. So in the Big 12, who's, who has quarterbacks that have not been injured? Yours at Texas, Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma. And I'm knocking on wood for all of them. Though. I'm not acting. I don't want them to have injuries. West Emory Virginia's Jones been through a couple, right? Uh, Cincinnati's Emory Jones, who Baylor plays. Baylor had shaping out for a while. Oklahoma State, I don't know if it was injuries. It was just not yet sure who they were going to like go to, and now they have Bowman as the guy. Uh, Iowa State, they lost their quarterback before the year began, not it's an injury. Rock, uh, I mean, here's, here's a little. Oklahoma's been fine. Rocco Beckton, Iowa State, has been fine. Uh, Oklahoma State, they were doing the quarterback rotation, but, I mean, I wouldn't count that. Uh, Texas, yours has been fine. So K-State's had issues. Uh, West Virginia's had issues. Uh, Kansas has had issues. TCU's had issues. Texas Tech's had issues. BYU's been fine with Slovis. Uh, Houston with Donovan Smith's been fine. Uh, Baylor's had issues. UCF's had issues. S- Cincinnati's been fine. So seven. Half seven the of the yeah, yeah. Half, over half the league. All right. So Baylor with the off week, they play in Cincinnati, and Cincinnati, of course, has not won a Big Twelve game. Uh, Baylor play there, and coming off the off week, just to be sure. 
Was there any or has there been any discussion or was there any conversation about the protocol of, of any of the staff under Dave Aranda? Did you make any type of protocol or staff changes at all during the off week? No. No. I think, um, you know, throughout the, throughout the week, there was a lot of self-study. Uh, and so we had our defense break down and look at the offense and vice versa. And so there's, um, you know, they had the majority of the week to do that. That was all kind of um, uh, delivered and deciphered on Thursday. And I thought there's a lot of learnings in that. And we're really leaning and uh, leaning into that and applying a lot of those truths, however ugly, um, bad, or good, uh, to help us get better. And so I think um, we're going to lead with you know, what the facts are and try to get better there. Also, uh, Craig does a column every like Monday, or whenever it comes out, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He almost referred to it that way when talking about the staff looking within itself. Yeah, he did. And, um, you know, I, I feel like there is just a lot of apathy right now, guys. Um, you know, typically, especially coming off of an open week, you'd probably have had a bit more activity on the coach's press conference. But I know I was just kind of tuned out, honestly. And uh, based on searching social media, maybe some of the other platforms have it differently. But based on Twitter, I think just kind of had the usual suspects tweeting out quotes here and there, but nothing, you know, all that interesting, to be frank. And uh, I think everything just depends on how they play from here on out because we've heard the words. We, we've heard the, the talk. Uh, all due respect to Dave Aranda. Um, but, you know, it's when you've seen it and you've heard it for six weeks and every Saturday you go back out there and you see the same product and it hasn't really changed that much, like the words just don't matter anymore. You know, and I think that's where we are with Dave Aranda. I think that that's where we are is the words don't mean anything unless you show people. And so it can all sound good, but until you show them and you have an opportunity to do that this week in Cincinnati, uh, there's not going to be many, you know, willing to – to listen or believe or jump on board with you. And that's just unfortunately where they've found themselves because of the way that they've played now going on really a year uh, at this point. Yep. And so, yeah, it's a different team, but it's the same results, if not even more frustrating in some ways. And the only cure to me is winning. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the only thing that's going to make his press conferences more interesting or have people buy into what he's saying or believe in what he's saying um, and, and run with it. I think it's just it all comes down to winning, and that's something that's been hard for them to do. And if they don't do that this Saturday, then it's only going to get wor that much worse, losing to an 0-3 team and giving them their first Big 12 win and all that. So, uh, yeah, this is a, it's a big one for the Bearcats, but it's also a big one for Aranda and the Bears for sure. All right, then there's the other question. We had Mac Rhodes on last week about his involvement and conversations with Dave Aranda, so I thought it was obvious to ask the question about those conversations that Aranda's had with Mac Rhodes. Dave, Mac Rose mentioned that he talks with you a lot, which is, I guess, normal for an AD and a football or any coach. Yeah. But he also mentioned kind of just hit being the eyes and the ears of what he sees. How much do you talk football with him? A fair amount, yeah. And so I, um, I appreciate the question. And, you know, it's whenever I talk with Mac, I think there is an, an unfiltered truth and there is a um, – um, there is a sincerity and, uh, you know, compassion with everything. And so I take it uh, very serious, and, and um, we try to apply 
whatever comes out of those conversations. And so I think it's, I think sometimes when you're so locked into what you're doing and, um, you know, it's good to be able to have the view, um, to have another view, another perspective. And so I count on Mac for that. That's Dave Aranda from earlier today. They play Cincinnati coming up on Saturday. Yeah, I think a lot of people, and Craig, you addressed this really well in your column, took that as Mac Rhodes is Jerry Jonesing this thing up. Uh, and and even to to even Jerry Jones' credit, that's not really what he does. Um, he's just a little too involved. Mac was just staying like, yeah, they they have to have those conversations about you know, where do you think you're going? Where do you think the offense is headed and how do you fix it? Because people ask Mac about that and he has to be informed because he, like we ask him about it. He can't very well be like, I don't know guys, that's his deal. I'll talk to him in December. We'll figure it out. Like that's not how that job works. So yeah, I think that, um, you know, that puts a little further clarity on that situation. Yeah. I think the boss keeps tabs on his employees. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that Mac and those conversations is just keeping tabs on where things are. And I think also, like, yeah, you, you bring up the offense in particular. I mean, I think Mac just probably, like all of us, wants to know, are we going to be watching the same thing every single week the rest of the way, these next six games that we've been watching already? Or are you all in the bye week and are you all opening some things up and are you all tweaking some things? Just tell me that you are because God forbid that you're not and we have to watch the same thing for six more games. And so I th- I, that's how I took it. It was more of just like, all right, wh- like wanting to know – all right, what kind of adjustments are y'all making? What areas are you focusing on? Do you think this is an issue? Is that an issue? Tell me what the issues are. And just kind of getting a summary of, of where things stand and where things look to be going. Not, this is what you need to run. This is what you need to highlight. Here's who to throw to. Here's what offensive set to get into. Um, but everybody knew that. You know what I mean? Like, everybody knew that who was, was reading those comments or listening to those comments. And the ones who took it to the extreme of, like, he's, yeah, Jerry Jonesing and he's suddenly making the calls at the line of scrimmage or something, That they just were looking for a reason to pick it at Mac in the situation itself. So uh, that's part of the deal when you're losing, man. You open yourself up to that type of criticism. But, yeah, I, I think that they just have, uh, you know, constructive criticism and, and constructive conversations, and hopefully it, it turns out for the better for both of them uh, starting this week. There's actually a thread in Sikkim 365 premium section that says Jerry Jones – Dash Mac Rhodes. Everybody's mad at everything. They want to blame everybody. He right now is one of those is getting a lot of the blame. He understands where some of the things are. And it's not as if he's dictating game plan or in the film room, like trying to break down the offensive line scheme. Uh, he He's not in the X's and O's like department. He was just giving obvious feedback that anybody, a five-year-old, could see that the obvious problems have been on the offense. And then it was this also concerned about, well, why didn't he bring the defense up? Because my follow-up question was about the offense too. And so that is why he discussed the offense and only the offense at the time. All right, uh, Astros just homered. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, a fantastic player, just went deep on Evaldi. It's 4-1, to bottom of the second. Rangers lead the Astros in game two of that best-of-seven series. Notre Dame. Put up 48 points against USC. It's the fourth most versus an AP top 10 opponent in the poll era since 1936. I should, I mean, look, part of that was I know they had a scoop and score and they also had the 99 yard kick return. uh, But uh, Notre Dame hasn't been scoring that many points against anybody this year. That shows you how locked in they were, uh, where USC is right now. And how 
if they really want to get it, look, it didn't affect them in the Pac-12, but certainly if they want to get back in the CFP discussion at all, USC has to fix a ton of things. A ton. Yeah, like you said, I mean, they've uh, they've had some problems over there on defense, and I think that that, you know, started to be a situation where, uh, especially at the end of the week, you know, I saw some pushback on, oh, it's not really, you know, it's the defense, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's not, or I guess maybe it was being made to be too much of an issue versus what it really is, but watching the Notre Dame game, yeah, it didn't make me feel any better that that's going in the right direction or make me think any differently that it's not going in the right direction. Um, you know, Duke, uh, not Duke, but uh, Notre Dame has had, um, you know, a rough go of things in, in a couple of contests here lately against Louisville and Ohio State, and uh, to be able to turn around and put up a near 50 spot on mm-hmm. USC, I think, is a breath of fresh air no matter how you got it done, uh, all three phases or, or just simply offensively. But, yeah, they got contributions from all over that roster, um, and that helped catapult them into a huge win. And I think the questions for USC that were there before the game remain or, or even more under the microscope now at this point, and for Notre Dame – I think you feel great about the way that you bounced back because you could have found yourself in a real skid had you lost this game, and all of a sudden you've lost three of your last four, and like pretty much everything's dashed at that point. So that was a big response from them. And, um, yeah, I mean, USC, just a really interesting uh, little situation to watch, the the way that this is going and the way that it, that it may keep going um, if that – it's just sort of stays the way that it that it has been, especially defensively. And you know, and then when your offense is not even being able to play all that well uh, because of what Notre Dame was doing in particular, um, that was that was not good look for them on Saturday night by by any stretch. So yeah, I, yeah, I'm just wondering like with Lincoln Riley's, just I don't know, man. It just I, I, like a couple uh, when this first happened, I figured I'm trying to think of what <laughs> I'm trying to say here. When he first got there, I thought maybe that's a dream job for him that he's going to be there for ten years. But the more just the same old stays the same old. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is already one of those situations where you're like, man, is he going to be out of there in like a year from now if things don't get any better? I don't know. It's just okay. weird. Okay. Caleb, Caleb Williams is not going to survive the season if that continues with what we saw against Notre Dame on Saturday. No, and let me throw this out there to you. I'm just opining. Uh, one, Caleb, uh, Lincoln Riley sounds like a guy who really wants to go to the NFL. Uh, when you when he talks about it, um, eventually I don't really, but like eventually wants to go to the NFL. And two, look, he's also a Texas guy, and there could be a big job open in this state again pretty soon. You know, maybe if USC wasn't all he thought it was cracked up to be, he jumps into the Aggie fire. I don't know. Like that is way way out. I thought you were talking about the Cowboys. No, that one too. That one too. If that like. That, like he could wind up being the head coach of the Cowboys, or the head coach of Texas A&M, in my opinion, if he if he so chose to like throw his name out there for either of those things. Yeah, I, at some point though, you got to plant your flag and like, yeah, you know, defend that thing. Yeah, otherwise so, you're yeah. Larry Brown, yeah. aren't you? Like uh, uh, constantly moving yeah. around. Not that he's not well, a Hall of Fame coach. You can't win a Natty at Oklahoma. You can't win a Natty at USC. I mean, what makes yeah, you think you win the Natty at A&M? A&M? Like congratulations, you'd be a living legend for forever. But yeah, I mean, those other two are pretty dang good programs that are certainly above the Aggies but yeah I mean the situation I, I hadn't even thought about him in A&M at all but um yeah I mean that, I could see where where that could maybe come into play but yeah at some point you got to stop moving around you got to plant your flag and, and prove something because playoff appearances are fine but they've got you in this category and you're trying to be in this category with yeah. uh you know Saban and and well very few other guys Kirby and 
Dabo, who Dabo's on his downswing. I mean, I know Jimbo's got a title, but he's clearly on a downswing. We haven't talked about A&M. We need to talk about that. We will. We will. um, Yeah, I mean, I think that he's got got a lot to prove in Los Angeles, man, for as big of a a stick as he swung in making that move from Norman to L.A. uh, to be, you know, a couple years in and be a little bit disappointed at this stage. I mean, they're still 6-1. and Let's not go crazy with it, but... Yeah, it's just a weird deal. I don't know. It's just a weird situation. All right, uh, A&M will get to that. In fact, Sam Kahn, who wrote that column today in theathletic.com, will join us tomorrow on the column about, is this all there is after all these years? And it seemed like after yeah. all these years when and, it comes to Jimbo and the offense and A&M, and they just, it's, it's, like, it's like talk about Craig mentioned this about Baylor, not explaining how bad Baylor's look this year, but it's like crazy pills watching them on offense. Well, it's, it's hard. It's a really tough watch. And the reason I threw Lincoln Riley out is that A&M is not particularly creative when it comes to hiring people, right? And sometimes you don't need to be. Sometimes it's like, okay, what have we not done? Let's hire somebody who did that. And that's why Jimbo Fisher was the guy the last time around. But, you know, before that, it's like, okay, well, Kevin Sumlin's at Houston. That's 90 miles away. Let's get him here. Dennis Franchione's at Alabama. He must know what he's doing. He was at TCU. Mike, Mike Sherman was here under R.C. Slocum. He'll fix everything. You know, like that's kind of been their thinking, not, hey, let's really think out. 10 years in the future of who can make this program, you know, who can be this program's Saban? Who can be that guy that turns it into something really special? They haven't really thought out that. But well, why would they? What do you, you don't think they thought out what Jimbo Fisher could mean? He's coached at a high level. Yeah, yeah I know. I guess that would have been well, the Saban thing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, but um, I, they don't need a Saban. They need, they need a Bowden. There they is need no a, Saban. They there, need a. Um, you know, somebody who built it from the from nothing, like who who said, okay, this is my program. They've never had that. They've always like gone for the next guy. You know, the really the coach in my lifetime who I said that it was truly his program was R. C. Slocum. Yeah. And that's a long damn time ago. Yeah, and so, they, they ran him out. Too. The Longhorns always get compared to the Cowboys, but is A and M not more of the Cowboys? Well, I mean they're the, Absolutely. It's the same. Yeah. very similar. Yeah. Well yeah. the only difference between that, the Longhorns and Cowboys have both won anything. A and M hasn't since nineteen thirty nine. Like we weren't in World War Two yet. Yeah, the other thing about Riley too is like is he bringing Alex Grinch with him if you're yeah. I mean that's the day he's gotta answer that in, in Hollywood before There's he answers a lot that of anywhere inter- else. A lot of and, chat yeah. in the chat about yeah. Grinch and, and Riley and what they most they must have for on each other or just damn good close well, friends. And you know, he I mean he's been the the benefactor and, and rightfully so because he's recruited, signed, and then developed a lot of those guys. But Caleb Williams has covered up even more warts than we even realize yeah. too. You know, they're, they're on top of that, as uh, I'm slightly distracted by a Jonah Heim home run, five one Rangers in the top of the third. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, a tricky situation in L.A. Huge expectations. Only one loss, still in the Pac-12 running and all that, but they definitely took a step back on Saturday with that loss to the Irish. And um, that was one of the five games that we picked. All those games, I think, ended up being – I mean, that one was competitive for a little while. But Which then, one? Notre Dame-USC. Yeah. But then Notre Dame just pulled away and, and made it very clear they were the better team. Uh, now – from retired stockbroker, correct on no other Nick Saban. Boomer Lee, we can't use recruiting and NIL as an issues because Iowa State, Kansas State, playing a lot better with less talent. Well, Longhorns and Cowboys are the same programs from Sam okay. in the chat room, no I'll, doubt. I'll throw this out to you guys, and I sent you a text to think about this. All three of you, I want Garrett's opinion on this as well. A&M, and this is the difference, and it, like I tweeted out the other day, and somebody said, well, Kevin Sumlin didn't, you know, he had good recruiting classes. Jimbo has great recruiting classes. Yeah. He is 
Kevin Sumlin took them one step closer with the recruiting. He kind of turned it up a little bit. But Jimbo has these great recruiting classes, number one in the country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, routinely top five to seven recruiting classes that AM is getting. And they're continuing to be the same, which means that, you know, the, the finger kind of points to him. Because if you took any other coaching staff in the top 25, I would say, and plopped them down in College Station and said, here's your roster, they'd be like, what? Thank you. I appreciate that. I yeah. say any other. There's a few, but there's a lot of coaches who are struggling right now because they have a lack of talent that would do a lot better job than Jimbo Fisher and the staff are doing with the group they have right now. Sir, blah, blah, blah. Mike Sherman coached a year up here in the CFL. Didn't go very well. Uh, he, he did a nice job. He kind of helped them. Kind of, kind of. I guess, what, did you, what do you think? He stabilized everything, and then, of mm-hmm. course, uh, they went to Sumlin, and, and he had Johnny Football and that worked out pretty well. Sorry, my biggest Sherman memory is seventy-seven to nothing at the hands yeah. of Oklahoma. Yeah. That was uh, that was my Sherman memory. But no, yeah, he he kind of stabilized. I think before the Johnny Mania took over, and they got to be the big swinging SEC team and all of that stuff that they've been now the last few years. Uh, you know, right there at the top of the recruiting rankings and whatnot, right in the mix, but just without the results to actually kind of back up a lot of the the you know. Uh, the talk i guess but or the investments even as well but yeah paul i don't know man like i mean at some point you know it's 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 got to be something that we're missing that's that's other than just a coach because i mean i agree with you to extend i think if kirby smart went took over a&m that you know yeah they'd probably be better if nick saban took over him yeah they'd be better um but you know beyond that I, i don't know i don't think if you put sark there that they're noticeably better i don't think if you put Dave Aranda there, and I know you mentioned that. I think they could be good, but I don't know that they're better because I don't know that they recruit as well. So the Jimbo has his positives. Uh, I don't know what the the overall disconnect is, though, however, and I don't know that it's something that is just as simple as finding the right coach. I, I mean, that, that, that's the last thing you can point to, though, because it's like, what else could it be? You've got the players, right, or at least you think that you do. Uh, you've got the investments. You've got the stadium. You've got the the bells, the whistles, and everything in between. What's the one thing missing? And and I guess it all just does come back to Jimbo. Um, but, yeah, who could possibly be that guy to put it all together? Well, that's what they've been wondering their entire history, basically. So, so maybe they should hire somebody and just be patient through even some very difficult and frustrating times. The problem, though, is – they need to do that with someone who they're not paying a hundred million not dollars. paying a hundred million dollars to because right now they are paying Rolls Royce prices for Kia production. That's fair. That's yes. what they're doing. So if you want to have like if you want to hire Jeff Trail, we don't have a sponsor with Kia. Do we? No, I don't think. Uh, and look, I, I I'm just saying I'm not knocking Kia. I'm just no, saying they even saying. know they're not Rolls Royce, but. If you are going to do that, you need to hire a Jeff Trailer for a mm. fraction of the cost and let Jeff Trailer find his way there. That's what I'm saying. Or if you're going to hire big boys, you need to hire the right big boy right. and pay the right kind of and do the right th- kind of things because I know there's some of it was they probably got a little over their skis on NIL with that number one recruiting class sure. and a lot of those guys weren't a fit. And that's maybe not totally Jimbo's fault. He was trying to navigate the waters he was in and who's going to say no to the number one recruiting? class right mm-hmm. it, it shits shockwaves to the sec nick saban's doing dinners where he's telling you like i need a million more dollars from you and all these things so that was kind of working the thing is is that they need a coach who well, can who can innovate a little bit more with those guys i think that's where jimbo is in his own way and they are wait a minute. Let, let's talk about who they recruit with all due respect to haynes king and all the do, have they gotten have they landed a like nuclear quarterback 
No, and that's the other thing that they hired Jimbo to do. Because Jimbo was the quarterback whisperer yep. for a while there. You can list off Jamarcus Russell, Matt Flynn, Matt Mock. He won, he won two national titles with guys who were, you know, not really even that great uh, when it comes yeah, to Yeah, Matt Flynn was like a three-star quarterback. Yeah. And, then, and then at Florida State, he put E.J. Manuel in the first round. He put Christian Potter in the first round. Mm-hmm. Won a Heisman Trophy and a national title with Jameis Winston. Like, how many of those guys have I mentioned that are NFL superstars? None of None them. None of them, but and he so won. He, and he was winning with them, and then he came to a he hasn't done it. Uh, it's just, it is the, you know, the weird thing about AM is you just, no matter what they throw at it, it does not work, and there's some kind of flaw in their plan. All right. Uh, one other note Colorado, uh, a couple of minutes into the third quarter, Colorado converted a third and two for a first down, leading 29 to nothing against Stanford. Analytics gave them a 99.8% chance to win at that point. And instead, of course, they blew the lead and the largest lead they've ever blown in Colorado football history, losing to what was Stanford. Paul, what did you say in a text to me when that game score came in? Because that was another one of those past midnight games, and I happened to be up because I'd just gotten back. From I can't high remember. It was football. really, it was really late when I saw. Can I say it. what you said? What you said? A bunch of nerds just. Oh yeah, nerds. Yeah, guys. No, okay. I, did I? Yeah, I said a bunch of nerds just won that game. Just, Good for them. But, yeah. yeah. No, I think, look, Emmett Smith's kid's one of those nerds. He was – Yep. Uh, he's there. No, That's, I – Who's – well, how do you say the receiver's name? Because he was oh, the incredible. One that, 13. That, that mossed Travis Hunter? Yes. Yeah, I, I can't remember. He was incredible. Yeah, I am an or. I, I think am an or, yep. how you pronounce it. Maybe it's slightly different than that, but – no, I think I actually uh, was the one that texted that, and I said a bunch of nerds just beat up the cool hip-hop kids. Mm-hmm. Um, that's basically what it was, like the the cool watch flashing, you know, uh, just uh, supremely like the, the definition of, I guess, cool in college football, right? Like the cool videos and the cool coach and the cool uniforms and the, the cool new team on the block and all of that with swagger for days and, um, you know, just a lot of star power behind them. And then this just vin- – you know, vanilla, bland, really, like, super college football. Like, hey, no, academics do matter, and, like, we're Stanford, and we've always done it a certain way, and we're not flashy, and we're not, like, super cool. Uh, you know, we're the nerds, and they, they you know, they embrace that over the years, and so that's what it kind of felt like, yeah, of, like, the cool kids were going to come in and just bully the nerds, and uh, that was not how it happened. At least that's, it, that's how it happened originally. It's how it happened for a good portion of that game, and then, you know, the, the the nerds got their their licks back and they turned that game on its head and um, that was an amazing you know uh, end result uh, given where we were halfway through that game and given just uh, I mean I, I just I couldn't believe that meltdown I, I really couldn't I could not believe that Colorado melted down in the fashion that they did um, and I was just thinking about how brutal the mentions were going to be on social media for, like, Tion and Shador and all those guys. And I can only imagine. I didn't go look myself. But there was a lot of people that loved seeing that. There's a yep. lot of people that hated seeing that. Um, I, for one, was just fascinated by the fact that they gave up a lead like that. And this whole Colorado story, man, what a great win for Stanford and Troy Taylor, first of all. Like, they really needed that. That's huge for them. That broke a four-game losing streak for them. In that four games, they lost to Sacramento State. Yep. I mean, so they were hurting in His a major... His old school, yeah. right? No, San Jose State was also, San Jose. Uh, But they, you know, uh, had been on a bad losing streak and looked like they were going to be well on their way to yet another loss and a blood embarrassing loss at that. And to their credit, like, they just st- stayed in there and kept fighting and... 
man, that was a, an awful loss for Colorado. Just an absolutely awful loss. And I do feel like, and I'm not on Twitter a lot, but I do feel like the Dion mentions have gone down substantially Oh yeah, um, as the losses have piled up. And now because of that loss, like them making a bowl game is suddenly well within a little bit of question. Speaking of that, Garrett, do you have that one? There you go. To get to a bowl game, Colorado at 4-3 and three must now win two of their final five games. UCLA on the road. Oregon State. What in the hell's gotten into Arizona? No, Fafita. My goodness, they blew out Washington State. And, of course, they had USC in trouble until whatever it was in overtimes at Washington State and Utah. I think what they need to, and I'm sure Dion will, will, will remedy this, is eventually, and maybe not this year, but they need to find what the line is between swagger and success. Because he certainly brought the swagger in there and a little bit of success. But balancing out the hype train with all the things you're bringing in, which is you've got to do what works for you, but with the consistent you know, performance on the field. Now, I do think what Dion has is a defensive coordinator problem. Uh, and you know we'll see if he remedies that in the offseason. But... Um, I could go on and on about Charles Kelly and why he's not fit for that job. No, they, uh, I mean, they still scored a bunch of points, but they just gave up a bunch of points, as you said. So, yeah, defense appears to be the issue. Um, you know, the only game where they really hadn't scored a lot of points this year was uh, that Oregon game. And obviously, Oregon's a really good team. Um, so, that was, you know, part of the equation there. But, yeah, Colorado's definitely got some issues on defense. I think we talked about that even when they were winning at the beginning of the year. Was their running game or lack thereof? and their lack of defense, and could they stand the test of, of a season? Could they you know, last through a schedule playing just with basically Shador and his wide receivers playing you know, 40 points a game ball? I mean, is that sustainable? And clearly it's not because they've dropped three of their last four. But um, the remaining schedule, the one game you would say, yeah, they, the, the one game they could possibly be favored in because they won't be favored against UCLA. They nope. won't be favored against Oregon State. Nope. They won't be favored against Washington State. Although Washington State, by that point, like we'll have to check back in with them because they're starting to struggle a little bit. But uh, the, Utah at the end of the year, but right there in the middle is Arizona. And, yeah, you would think that that would be the one that they're probably favored in and the one that they'd be most likely to win. But with Noah Fafita doing what he's doing at quarterback now these last few weeks – um, Arizona has steadied itself uh, with Jed Fish, and they're playing a lot better ball all of a sudden. Now, they broke a couple-game losing streak, but at 4-3, and three, I don't know that anybody necessarily had them there. And with Fafita, they're just a different ball club than they were with Jaden Delora, who was a roller coaster ride of a quarterback. So, yeah, he's changed the whole trajectory of, of where they are, and, and they could very well jump up and beat Colorado. So, yeah, there's not a win guaranteed on this schedule the rest of the way for the Buffaloes. All right, uh, Phil Venzer uh, gave us an update on the college football odds as we enter this next week. Some The Big 12 game, Texas opened as a 20-point favorite against Houston. They're now a 23-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, let's see here. Baylor opened up as a one-point underdog to Cincinnati. It is now two-and-a-half. UCF opened up as a 17-point underdog against Oklahoma. It is now 19-and-a-half. So those are some of the games that have changed the biggest moves in Vegas uh, from so far, and it's just Monday from where they were when the when the odds opened up for those games. Utah USC USC was a four point pick now seven now seven 
That's kind of a nice little jump. Also, North Carolina, two and a 23 and a half point pick against Virginia. It was 21. Air Force Navy. How about Air Force, man? We, we discussed that. We saw them in the bowl game. Loved what they do. Uh, they're now 11 and a half point against Navy. It was nine at one point. So those are some of the biggest changes in college football. When we come back, J.J. Joe, former Baylor quarterback and Baylor radio sideline analyst, Phil Bennett will join us. And we will ask him about Oregon, Washington, about what's going on in College Station, and also his thoughts about some of the teams that woke up and have now all of a sudden shown something in the Big 12. This is 365 Sports. Petty Clinic, LowT.com. Dr. Kent Petty can help you become the high-performance man that you want to be, need to be, and used to be. How? If you have symptomatic issues of low testosterone, you may not know that your testosterone level is too low, but you might have issues when it comes to sleep habits are not the same. Uh, your energy is absolutely dropped quite a bit, and your sex drive is not the same. Maybe it's ED. Could be one or all of the above. If you have them, and you've kind of gotten to that mid-30s or older, testosterone levels drop. It's part of father time. Like some people have high cholesterol that even if they have a great diet and exercise. Some people have heart problems no matter what, no matter how much they stay in shape. But testosterone is something that could be a problem because it just happened to pick you. One out of every three to four men have issues. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com, contact the, uh, the website, and they will then get back in touch with you. They, Dr. Petty staff, will set you up to get your blood work and take care of all of that, then get the results. And if your testosterone levels are too low, they can put you in a program to increase your testosterone levels so you can become the high-performance man you want to be, need to be, used to be at PettyClinicLowT.com. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do, and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagney is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the Sikkim sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. Pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy. And, you know, I bring my kids and my kids love being here, too. They really love the treasure box. staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. <laughs> I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. 
TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texas are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back with five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app. Banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Baylor sideline, excuse me, Baylor color analyst and former Baylor quarterback J.J. Joe with us on Mondays at 445, joins us on 365 Sports. J.J., how much work can actually be done, and what is most of the focus when a team, especially right in the middle of the year, has an off week? You know, hey, guys, it's good to talk to you. Hey, uh, you know, it's, there's only a little bit you can do, but I think really what I what I found out is during those off weeks, you do focus a ton on yourself, and it gives coaches more time to, I think, do an evaluation of the things that they need to cut and the things that they can can build on. And, and I think that's really one of the most beneficial things that come from, comes from the off week that then coach comes back to really not that first week that you're off, but that next week when you're in game preparation. And you can tell a lot of times there's a difference kind of, okay, we're going to focus on these things, guys. This is what we've done well. And then we're going to minimize or stop doing these things. So, you know, it's not a ton, but I think enough focus on yourself and what you do well is what comes along with that self audit. JJ, how much time does it take, though, to install that stuff? Do they have, even with a total week off, do they have enough time to find something that works and throw it in there? Well, you know, I mean, I, you know, I think the big thing is you don't re-engineer an offense, of course, in two weeks. But the interesting thing is if you look at what Baylor does or what some teams do, they have, they have different concepts. Like, even though we're an RVO versus um, uh, offense, this, you know, a lot of times you'll look at them and there's a spread-looking concept, right? We just don't do it a lot. You know, there's a spread-looking set. We usually have a tight end, but if you think about Browse offense at the end, there's a lot of there's a lot of really what we would call, I think it was, you know, that that, that personnel with one tight end, uh, 11 personnel, I'm sorry. So, I, so you have those concepts of those formations in. You may just add to the playbook, right? Hey, we're better out of these sets, and we run these four plays. Well, we're going to make it six plays, seven plays. Eight plays. We're going to motion to this set, so so you feel you realize really quickly that we have these different sets that we have and different uh, structures already built into offense. We just don't emphasize them. Well, maybe we need to emphasize them a little bit more going forward than we have. That's that that's what I mean by 
being able to kind of add to some of the areas that maybe you haven't really focused on the last several uh, several weeks. JJ, how much of just getting a mental break do you think is important for this team? I know there's times when, especially if you're winning, you just want to keep going, right? You don't want to you lose the magic, if you will. Um, but given their struggles, did it come at, at the right time, that this little bit of a break, and is there a way that that just kind of resets and recharges everybody? I hope it came at the perfect time. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> you know, Craig, because, I mean, the, the big thing for me is that when, you, when things are not going your way and you've been going since early August, it does help to get just two days. You, I mean, you know, being in it before, you just don't have any days off, man. I mean, it's like every day is something associated with football. Now, I know they've changed the schedules now. I think they try to give the gentleman a day, a day off. But I just remember saying sometimes during the season when you get about six, seven weeks in, man, I just wish they'd just give me a day. Just I don't have to come to the stadium for a day. So that'll help a ton. They get to go home, see family, go to the high school, and come back hopefully a little bit, a little bit fresher mentally. And and ready, kind of really to hone in. Because I tell you, I, I just I just think that like when you're two and four, man, that that is not a fun time to be kind of a player on that team. Just think like, man, I like being around my buddies, but we're two and four, uh, and I'm hoping they kind of kickstart it from here on out against this, uh, a tough Cincinnati defense. Do you see any way or? with the offensive line has struggled from day one this season, do you see anything they could actually do with the offensive line? Mateos has done some good stuff over his career, but obviously this has yeah. been a really tough year. Yeah, I, I, I think there are some things you can do. I think we saw it. I know people will say, well, yeah, JJ, the Utah game was four or five or six weeks ago. We haven't seen that again. I think we've seen glimpses. Glimpses, I'm sorry. Can't speak right now. I think the – I think – I think this group of gentlemen, that the group of linemen that we have, have trouble with the wide zone blocking scheme, especially if a team is going to get really aggressive playing upfield on us. And either we have some guys maybe that maybe weren't as athletic as we had in the past, maybe it's not as experienced as we had in the past because we had really good lines for those first couple of years, or it just simply could be they just don't have that same ability then we talked about it last week, guys. I mean, I watched the Texas Tech team have linemen that I'm not saying they were good, but they didn't ask them to do a lot of stuff right. for their runners to get some yards. So I think you may have to evaluate that. JJ, I, I personally think they've also got some guys playing in the wrong spots. I, I think they could, they could, if that's their best five, they could shuffle them around into maybe different spots and they'd be a little bit more effective. Well, and you may be right. I mean, I, I actually like, I like, I like, I think it's Clark that plays center, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, it's Clark that plays center. I actually like, uh, a uh, Beausoleil. He's young. I think he's playing a left tackle mostly. I think he is. Uh, at least I know he was. Um, so I, I mean, I actually like him there. And I, and you say, well, you know, maybe he struggled there when he was there. He's had some good moments, but he's young. Uh, that size, that kind of body, it, I think he'll be much better in two or three weeks than maybe he's been. Uh, and I think beyond that, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think we've had some some areas where we really kind of struggled for consistency, and it's been shown in our results. So, you know, they're out, they're there every day, and they know who the best five are. But I think you keep shuffling, you can figure it out. But I think a big part, as like I said, is like, what are you asking them to do? I'm not going to keep asking you to do it if you can't do it. JJ, what's been more disappointing? Defensive uh, showings or offensive showings in your mind? Oh man, golly! Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> you know, 
I'm going to say, I'm going to say defensively. Because I think offensively, if we were honest with ourselves, losing all those linemen that we lost, and then, you know, we got a couple transfers in. Yeah, we were really hopeful, but I think we felt like, you know, hey, man, we're going to take maybe a little step back offensively, at least up front. And that's where everything picked. But defensively, I've been really kind of surprised because, you know, we had Gabe. We had Gabe coming back. You know, we had Boykins kind of uh, uh, penciled in there. They had no, they had no, had some injuries. You had TJ Franklin there. Uh, you had uh, Matt Matt Jones back. Then you had, of course, uh, oh, shoot, I'm forgetting um, um, uh, at, at Star. He was a veteran. Bryson Jackson. On it. Yeah, we had Bryson Jackson coming back. He wasn't, you know, of course, Jalen Peach, very few people are, but he was a veteran coming back. And you were concerned about the back end. But I, I, I said this, I think, last week to you guys. I mean, you know, when I have a reign as a coach, I'm expecting that that team uh, will be fundamentally sound, even if they're doing four things, right? They're going to be pretty fundamentally sound. We're, not, we're going to see fewer busts. And one thing they will do, they will be able to hunt. And I would say that's why that's been kind of a little surprising, a little bit more disappointing to me. You know, uh, the the way that they're playing, that we hear about the emotions and people point to Dave Aranda's personality, although Powledge is supposed to be kind of a guy that barks. It was video of Grimes at halftime of the UCF game of – of, of kind of doing one of those let's go. Do you see an issue when it comes to this team just not being happy? Uh, not that, They don't seem like they enjoy playing the game, J.J. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I think when we play the first week, and sometimes it's hard to tell. A lot of times you think a team is, is really gassed to play and they go out and they, they lay an egg or they look like they're, they're dead because they're just – and then they come out and they just destroy someone. Um I would say that to me, it does feel like the energy of this team does not match prior teams, uh, and I, I can't I can't tell you why. It just doesn't seem it didn't even seem that way early in the season when you've been off for seven or eight months, right? And you usually expect it, you everybody to come back back just ready to play. So you know that's on the that's on this coaching staff. They have to get those guys ready to play. That's their job. Um, in addition to the X's and O's, and make sure that when game day rolls around. Not only those guys physically prepared and ready and not worn out, but that they're emotionally ready to at least play hard. I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think that is. Uh, and I'm not saying our guys are playing hard, but play with play with high level of energy is something you would expect. JJ Joe with us on Mondays at 4:45. Baylor plays in Cincinnati on Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. JJ, how much knowledge do you have of the Bearcats, the Big 12 newcomer? I know it's a first-time ever matchup. These two schools have not played in football, but uh, have you been able to watch Emory Jones or, or any of what they've got going on? I have. I actually watched them last weekend. I said, this is a great game to watch. It's got next two opponents are playing, hmm. <laughs> right? So I could do some scouting right away. So, you know, I was in, I was in, I'm very impressed by the defense. I think their offense, I think offensively, they kind of struggle like they're showing struggles like we're showing. I mean, they're more of a spread team, of course relying on the quarterback to make some plays, you know, with his feet and also on the move, which is a little different than us. We, you know, we don't want Blake to move too much, just enough. Uh, but their defense, I thought defensively, though, uh, although I don't, I think Iowa State moved the ball on them a little bit better than I thought they would. Uh, I like Cincinnati. So um, I think it's going to be interesting. This is a game I believe Baylor has to be able to try to find a way to win, even if it's on the road, because I think Cincinnati struggles with the same things we struggle with. Uh, but I'm hoping the difference will be is that, you know, I think from a quarterback standpoint, our guys are a little bit more prepared to play consistently at a high level. And that's kind of how I look at it. It's like if, if all things being equal, 
I'm looking for my quarterback to kind of take me through. So, so I mean, it's it's you know, I mean, the Bearcats will be a tough out just simply because they can play solid defense. Yeah, JJ, I think you're you're dead on there. Look, Blake Shapen is not uh, he's not a roller coaster anymore. As a matter of fact, like that's that's the the saving grace for Baylor so far is that your quarterback's pretty consistent. He's not an adventure. Emory Jones is an adventure. He's been an adventure oh, yeah. at Florida and at Arizona State and now at Cincinnati. He is absolutely an adventure. And so Baylor has to take advantage of that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I mean he had he was an adventure on Saturday. I mean, when I was watching him, I was like, you know, he can do something really dynamic and then he would do something that you're like, Oh, what is he doing? So yeah, I mean, I think, especially when you go on the road, I'm expecting Blake to play well. And I, I'm just hoping. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with the game plan. going to look like offensively. But, man, I hope we just – I mean, I just hope that Coach Grimes has found that small package of things we do well, of which has to be how can I protect Blake enough to allow him to push the ball a little bit. You know, we got to get it out quick because we don't block long. But how do I structure a protection – to take advantage, I think, what we saw, so we've seen a little bit lately with uh, Monterey getting loose a couple times. So hopefully that works out. JJ, thank you, as always, for your time on Mondays. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. JJ, Joe, Baylor Radio Color Analyst with us on Mondays at 445. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of solutions, guys. I mean, I think we've seen now through this two and four start that, I mean, it is what it is, right? And I just hope that for everybody's entertainment and just ability to enjoy college football season that they can have a spark in Cincinnati this week and and just you know win or lose play a game that at least looks like they know what they're doing and that they want to be there and that it's you know well coached and well executed and hey if you lose you lose but if they go out there and they like had the UCF start you know it's 30 to nothing in the blink of an eye or whatever um, that's that's going to be massively disappointing or if they go to uh, you know the the Texas Tech route where they just get blown away through the entire four quarters of a game. Uh, although, you know, early on that was close, but you know what I'm saying. I'm just overmatched, overpowered, outplayed, outcoached, outexecuted. If we see another example of that, I just don't, I don't know how you keep telling people, like, well, this week, get back up for it. Yeah, like, yeah. this is the week. I mean, we've done that and been doing that, and, and that's my fear for that program is that, you know, you can only do that so many times before people just tune it out, and that's kind of what I get – the feeling of this week and here's an opponent that is you know right for the the picking uh, they're going to be at home and fired up and they need a big 12 win badly they haven't had one this is a perfect opportunity for Cincinnati but it's also a great opportunity for Baylor to get out on the road away from their home horror show where they just cannot perform well at McLean Stadium for some reason for the you know for the most part and um, you know maybe just clear it and just go out there and play after having a week off I, I'm I'm very excited to see what that looks like, um, to know what the conversation will be like afterwards. But if they go lay another egg again, I just I just don't know how you can possibly rally the troops no, five I, more times. It really was the first question to Mac wrote yeah. last week. And he's not on this week. It was scheduled not to be on tomorrow, but he'll be back with us following the game with Cincinnati. But yeah, Cincinnati's lost now to Miami of Ohio, Oklahoma, and that was somewhat of a competitive game, low scoring because of what J.J. mentioned. Brigham Young and then Iowa State beat him up pretty good. So... Yeah, this this is somebody Paxton. I guess it was in the yeah, it was Paxton in the chat room. If they lose to Cincinnati, how hot will the seat be? The seat is warm. I don't think anything in season will change that. Even if in, if in, now if it ends up being one of those where you lose, uh, maybe win a game or two, and that's it the rest of the way, then the off season or soon after the season's over will be very interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, if you fall short of a bowl game 
by like a game, that's one thing, which means you'd have to win three of these final six. You have to go three and three. I think based on the schedule in front of them, you'd maybe have them as a favorite in one game. And look, they're not even a favorite in the Cincinnati game. Nope. So in fact, it's gotten higher. Yeah. If uh, if they finish another, you know, two and ten, three and nine. I mean, I, I just don't know how you can keep throwing that out there. I mean, that's the thing. And, you know, don't want to do this every day we talk about this. Like, we love Dave Aranda. But, yep. like, we do. But, you know, at the same time, it, it is a business at, at the end of the day. And as much as I like the way he's trying to run the business, if you're not making any money, then yeah. the business goes out of business. And and so that's what I worry about with them. they got to start making some money. A, a friend of mine put it to me this way when I had lunch with him last week, that they are staring down at the brink of a financial precipice mm. of selling tickets. Mm-hmm. That if if there is not something that swings around this yeah. season, they're going to have to make it. Like It's one of those things where you're going to lose money one way or the other. It, um You've seen programs do this all the time where you maybe you'd like to keep the coach for a little bit longer, but you know that like you have to you have to sell tickets. And so what's gonna be the shorter term loss? Well, a buyout or ticket sales. Somebody after the Texas Tech game asked me on Twitter about is if I stop sending money to Baylor, would that have an impact? And of course, fifty percent of people said, Yes, they'll listen to you. And then the others were like Okay, but yeah, if you how much start, money do you send? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in this day and age, man, it's it is it's always been razor thin. The difference between here, here, and here, and it's even more so that way. But you know, you have a lot of money that's been put into that program, and it's not there just to be four and eight. No matter how nice of people might be, the coaching staff or whatever, there's a lot of good people on that staff. But it comes down; they know that they knew that when they took the job, that it's about results. When we come back, Phil Bennett, his thoughts about. Uh, a lot of what we saw, and also, what is his thought about what's going on with the A&M as they, uh, they just keep on pretty much themselves being who they are as they struggle on offense with a pretty damn good defense, and this is 365 Sports. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac, they are the people that you can count on for great customer service, for great pricing, and for... Well, just a great experience when you go over to the dealership or you visit their website or uh, you contact them over the phone, no matter who you talk to, whether it's my guy Donnie or anybody else over there, Richard Carr, uh, they are the people that you can count on, and you'll find that out right away with their great customer service. But right now, out front of the dealership, there's a lot of construction going on uh, because they're redoing Highway 6, and it's got piles of dirt and concrete blocks and things all over the place, and you can kind of lose sight of Richard Carr there. Um, But they are still there, and they are still open for business, and because it's a little bit more of a trek, they want to make it easier for you to get over there and buy a brand-new car, get your car serviced, or buy a pre-owned car. So here's some of the offers right now. They've got the Buicks, the perfect combination, first-class luxury, first-class value like no other SUV, ranked number one overall brand for new vehicle quality by J.D. Powers. The Buick uh, lineup offers amazing value, and right now you can save 5000 on a new full-size 2023 Buick Enclave or save 4000 on a 2023 midsize Buick Envision. And if you're military or first responders, you can save an additional $500. Plus, qualified Buick buyers get 1.9% financing and no payments until 2024. So there's one of their 
many new offerings. They've also got with the pre-owns the fact that they trade for the best. So they have the best uh, when it comes to their lot of quality pre-owned cars and trucks. The financing goal is also 100% credit approval as they will say yes when others say no. So check out their parking lot full of pre-owned vehicles that are top quality cars, trucks, and SUVs right now in stock. But also, if you just need a little bit of work, your tires changed or uh, body repairs or whatever the case may be, their award-winning service department is standing by to keep you on the road, and they cannot be beat right now on tires, offering a price match guarantee on the lowest priced comparable tires in town. So service your car or truck with the people you can count on at Richard Carr. They've been in business for 24 years now in Central Texas, and over that time period, they've built a reputation as the place to go to for your automotive needs. Run by proud Central Texans and proud Baylor Bears. Log on to richardcar.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Nitchie Group Insurance Agency. With the Nitchie Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Nitchie Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Nitchie Group at 1-800-258-8302. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits. Compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. From the first workout to the last practice, sports is an incredible challenge. Hi. 
This is Danning with the First National Bank of Central Texas, and we're proud to support each athlete, every parent, and our educators. From families, small businesses, to the biggest industry, we're here to help. With remarkable products like instant-issue debit cards free at all of our banking centers, we've got banking ideas that fuel big dreams. The First National Bank of Central Texas, familiar faces making local decisions. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by, let's be friends. Longtime college football coach, former Baylor defensive coordinator Phil Bennett, now with some true serum coming, true serum coming your way and our way on 365 Sports. Phil, thank you very much. So, um, how much as a coach on staff? can be accomplished, and you hear about the improvement from game one to maybe game two after you've played somebody, but what about during an off week? What do you work on during an off week? What is the the, uh, the protocol, in your opinion? Well, you know, I, I've said this before. The thing that I've always done is, is you play six games and evaluate what you've done good, what you've done poorly, and you evaluate your players. What's your best combination? Who deserves to play? Uh, I think you look offensively, you know, since that's a big issue and say, these are the things we're capable of doing. This is what, this is what Blake can do. This is what we can do with our running game. There's a lot of things that you take from your statistics and says, you know, these statistics won't lie. These are the things working for you. Now, the other thing, then packages, you know, what's our best package? You know, how can we get better? You know, one of the things I know defensively, I talked to a guy that, that was friends with one of the guys on staff, is, is they want to know what can they do better on first down? You know, first down such a big down defensively. If you let a team get second and short, second and medium, your chances uh, of stopping them become very hard. And so those are the things you do. You evaluate yourself, and then you go out and you start working those things. Phil, what if you can't figure out what you do well? Well, I, I, you know, Paul, there's things they've done well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, every, you know, uh, you know, every game has its, you know, obviously the 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 negatives sometimes outweigh the positives. But you you see some things, and you even go back and you say, listen, this is where I, I know back when, uh, and I always reflect the 2012 because we had to create some things. Mm-hmm. We said, you know what? These are what people are doing to us. We can't seem to do this the right way. Let's 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 get some answers here. And I think that's one of the things that that both sides of the ball will, will do and go out and practice it against each other. Uh, now, uh, the other thing is it a toughness issue. You know, one of the players, I think it was Baldwin, thought that uh, you know that they didn't think everybody was in. You know, you, 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 the mind's a powerful thing. If you challenge them mentally and physically, I mean, you can change habits. You really can. And, uh, I think there's, I've said this before. I think there's winnable games out there that, that this thing can flip, but it's got to be done right. 
Coach, uh, elsewhere in the uh, Big 12, Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State seem to be getting on track after a bit of a rocky start. Uh, just in your experience, what is it like to prepare for a Mike Gundy team? And just what are your thoughts on, on him and just the, the longevity and consistency he's had in Stillwater and any surprise that they're starting to, to get their groove as they settle in on, on their backfield? Uh, I think Mike is one of those guys, you don't see at a place. How many years have been? 19, 20 years. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, this is how old I am. I, I was a DC at Iowa State when Mike was a freshman starter at <laughs> Oklahoma State. Now, now, how about that? Yeah. And, and, and but, you know, he, the reason he's still there is he's got a really good staff. They like it there. They stick together. Uh, he's hired some good coaches. Uh, it hasn't been by chance. And, and you just, you just mentioned. When they lost to, to South Alabama, I mean, my goodness. I mean, everybody was ready to run over them. And then, lo and behold, Kansas goes in there. Uh, excuse me. Can, uh, actually, it was uh, uh, Kansas State and then Kansas. And they take care of both of them and play very well. You know, and I'm going to give you another clip. You know, last week, Tech left Waco sky high. Mm-hmm. And then they ran into a freshman quarterback. And I, I would think that that Joey's a little bit scratching his head right now, too. Phil, when you mentioned Gundy, the longevity, and how people were angry even last year because the the expectations were still high, and then how they started, isn't sometimes all the most difficult ADs, whoever, to to, – to, to not fire somebody and let it work itself out? or and What's the fine line there? Well, you know, you, you, you and I have talked about this. The ADs that, that, that really uh, have a communication line with the coaches, you know, one of the things uh, that I always thought about great ADs, a guy named Joe Dean at LSU, he wanted to know your plan. And, and I'm sure Mac's like this, and I'm sure – the AD at Oklahoma State, he might tell him this year we might it, it might be a journey for us to uh, take time to take off on this. This is what we're looking at. Now it always changes and it can be bearable, but but you're having your AD aware of your situation is invaluable, and you have to be careful not to overstate the positives or understate the negatives because you got to be truthful. You know, because you know your AD didn't want to hear you. Hey, listen, we might start off on this schedule a little bit rough, but we're going to come out of it. Uh, I, I think it takes an AD that has a vision, has a belief, that, that sticks with. The people, you know, I always go back to Frank Beamer. You know, Frank Beamer had some rough years, had a couple good years and a couple rough years. And then this guy, I remember the AD that came out and said it. He goes, you know, I just always knew. That, that we would get this thing straightened out, and, and it paid off. Now, sometimes it's a fine line. Do you stay, you know, they've got a situation here at A&M. Do you stay six years? What's, what's the timeline? I, I don't know, but because you have to be in that circle, and those guys got to have a feel for that, and they got to see how it's run every day, how the players, you know, you might have to make, unfortunately, we all know this, you got to make coaching staff changes sometimes to improve yourself and and, uh, and we all hate it till i've been a part of it good and bad so uh that's always the things that you look at 
Phil, that uh, Oregon-Washington game was one of the most fun games I've ever watched in my life. Uh, you mentioned A&M. <laughs> They're paralyzed. Jimbo Fisher's a little paralyzed by being too conservative, right? He's he's kind of going off the old script a little bit too much. Dan Lanning uh, does not have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to I tell you something. I, I'm a huge Dan Lanning fan. Um, I knew him when he was a young GA. Said I've known him, but actually uh, text with him last week. Uh, you hmm. know the thing that I look at Dan, uh, and, and I know after the game he immediately took uh, responsibility. He really thought on that fourth down, you know, because I'm going to tell you sometimes you have to you have to make a stop and you have to make a play. Uh, I, I looked at situations. Uh, you know, with Art, we we always went for it on fourth down. I never worried about it because I knew the decision was made. But but there's no doubt Art would have went, went for it because he wanted to win the game on offense. He And they had moved the ball defensively and, uh, quite a bit on Oregon. And he said, you know what? If we can make this first down, the game's over. Uh, and and he it didn't happen for him. Coach, Paul brought up A&M. Your thoughts after the, the latest – I guess head scratcher and, and disappointment uh, against Tennessee and just where they find themselves now, as you know, the, the sharks circling there in the, the waters near college station. Well, you, you know, I, I, I've said this from the get go, the SEC right now, Craig is not a, is not a, just a top to bottom great league. There's, there's some good teams in it, but there's no, you know, you're always, there's not a Georgia and Alabama's not Alabama, Tennessee, was a very beatable team for the Aggies. Very beatable. Their quarterback is very average. Uh, their running game is excellent, which helped them win the game. Uh, Georgia uh, is, is, you know, beatable. Uh, Florida, all those guys, Auburn, it, it's sort of a down. This would have been a great year for the Aggies to step up. And I'm, I'm not saying it's over because they could win out because I think everybody in their league's average. They just can't seem – their second half uh, uh, on offense has really – the last two games, I think they've scored six points. And, and, and you're not going to win doing that. They come out fine. Um, I think that, you know, everybody's down on their old line. I'm, I'm just not willing to say that they're, they're – I, I believe they're good coaches. I, I just don't see them having the explosion players to be – you know, they don't have a great running back. Uh, their receivers are okay. Uh, tight ends okay. Uh, they're just not explosive on offense. Defensively, uh, they're good in the front end and not as good in the back end. So it's sort of what what they're getting. They're playing close, but they just can't finish. You coached at Oklahoma. You've coached at LSU. You've coached at A and M, and among others in the country. Which program? And I know you were the head coach at SMU. Which program had the most intensity or pressures from donors? Well, I, I keep saying, well, I better, I got to quit that. But, you know, what I see is this. I see LSU has been a championship program. Oklahoma has been a championship program. Their expectancies are real and they're high. A&M, per se, the last championship they won – was 1998. The the donors are avid. They're dedicated. They're loyal, and and they want to be good. They have the best stadium, the best facilities in America, 
and I talked to them. I know, I know what most of them, they're scratching their heads. Why can't we do that? Why can't we do what Washington's doing? Why can't we do what LSU did in 2019? You know, why can't we do what CC did, CCU did a year ago? Get to the, that game. And, and so I would have to say the Aggies. Phil Bennett, former Baylor defensive coordinator, longtime college football coach with us on 365 Sports. Phil, how much are the Aggies going to be affected by the fact that Texas is coming in next year? That is the, the, the reason they left the Big 12 was to get away from Texas. They're still in the fight song, you know, all those things, and they're coming back in, and pretty much every decision that A&M has ever made when it comes to football has to do with the boys down in Austin. I love, I love, and I say this, the rivalry between A&M and Texas. I respect the rivalry between A&M and Texas. The younger generation, I'm almost 70 years old, so obviously I'm old. But the, the days, I've probably been involved with more A&M, Texas games, playing and coaching than anybody uh, around other than maybe RC and a few others. It is a great, great rivalry. And, and, and believe it or not, among the people that are involved, the respect is immense. You know, Delos at that time with a conference and new things irritated a lot of Aggies. And they, the, the younger group said, we're going to get out of there. We want to get away from them. We want to get a, I think it's outstanding. I think, I think that what's, what's fixing to happen next year, you know, the last game of the year is going to be Texas and, and A&M at College Station. And I, hopefully I'm around. I would not miss it for the world. I think it's great for Texas. I think it's great for college football, and, and I just think it was a, it was one of those things, and, and I'd like to y'all to answer that. It's one of those things that had to be. It had to come yeah. back. If we were ever going to make this thing right, that rivalry had to come back. Yeah, it's, sometimes uh, running away from your problems is not the way to face them, right? You know, like, and so now it's like, there's no, there's no way out of this. Now nobody's leaving the sec. So you're going to face each other and going to make the best of it. And now I think some of the back and forth about recruiting and all the other things will finally make sense again as you know, for the last decade plus it's just been petty and silly. Well, and you, and you know, let's be, let's be honest with it. Two great, great, State universities, you know, that are 85 miles apart. My goodness. I mean, it's a natural. And, and, and it's, to me, it gets me motivated and, and, you know, warning us, you know, being an A&M guy, warning us, you know, to, to test our metal. You know, we, we, got, we had a run on them there and, and to continue that. Coach, uh, you saw some of the newcomers into the Big 12, West Virginia and TCU, and now we're seeing these four new schools, and then there will be another four next year. But the four new schools that are coming from outside the Power Five, having a little bit of this adjustment period. When you saw the new schools come in like TCU, West Virginia, and you see these new schools this year, what are like the biggest adjustments that, that you have to overcome or deal with as far as making that transition? And what do you see from maybe some of the four that are dealing with those types of deals? Craig, you're playing better teams week after week. There's no, there's, there's, there's no, uh, no slip games for you that you can just slip by. There's no slip games. I, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember it, but my first game ever at Baylor, 
was TCU's first ever Big 12 conference game. Mm-hmm. And they had a, I, I think, David, you correct me, 17 game winning streak, is that right? Yep. What, or some, something like that. They had, gone uh, unde- they had gone undefeated the year before, won the Rose Bowl. Wasn't that right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, we were, we, I think they had beaten us, what, 62 to 10 yeah. the year before yeah. in, in Fort Worth. And it flipped. I mean, it's just week after week. Now, they, they did a good job. I'm not saying that. But, but uh, I tell this story all the time. After we won it in 13, uh, I get a call. I'm at my house in College Station, and it's Gary Patterson. He goes, hey, just want to tell you congratulations. He said, man, he said, I I don't know. He said, when you went there, I knew you'd get better on defense and you'd help them. And he goes, I, I find it hard to believe. And he even said this, that with y'all's offense, that uh, y'all could play good defense to win it. He said, what do you think the answer was? And I told him, I said, you have to change your philosophy, you know, we, I did. And, and um, lo and mm-hmm. behold, he makes a change and goes to the exact same word, thing we're doing and becomes a different, you know, the next year, it's, what, what was the score? 61 58, yeah. or whatever it was. Yep. And don't, uh, don't take those, those calls, things, Phil. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, those things, you look at last week, great example was Iowa State playing at Cincinnati. You know, Iowa State. Some people say, oh, they're a lower-level Big 12. I would say people that have played Iowa State that that really know them, every week they'll tell you, you better button up. You know, Cincinnati didn't know that. Uh, UCF, you know, going to Kansas, you know, couldn't play with them. You know, UCF uh, uh, going to Kansas State, couldn't play with them. So there's going to be some transition. BYU going to TCU. Couldn't hang with them, mm. you know. So they're going to have to step up their recruiting and, and what they're doing to match the Big Twelve is an underappreciated league, and I think people are seeing that. Phil, if you don't mind, one more question. Uh, yeah. I shared the interview Mac Rhodes with us last week on Tuesday. He's incredibly available, accessible, transparent. Uh, and he had mentioned that he had had conversations with Dave Aranda. A lot of people looked at that and like, my God, is he also in the film room? He's not. But your thoughts about when you like when you first heard it, and then when you listen, or when you first heard about it, and then when you listen, what in the end did you come out of that with? Well, first of all, uh, the first thing that I got, I didn't like the fact that he was talking offense with Dave because he doesn't have the knowledge. Of offense, he's a fan. Now he's a, he's a knowledgeable fan, and he's a personnel guy. Uh, I, I don't I don't I've, in my 44 years I've never ever had an AD talk to any of our coaches about teams. The more I read it, what you gave me, it's it's a different take. He was talking about things when it's personnel, when it's talk about. It, I like the the interchange, and I do. I believe he has great confidence in Dave. Um, and, and I think you have to be careful. Assistant coach, coaches, their families, you know, we're, we're used to being uh, talked about, and, and but not from the AD. Uh, I, I, would, I would just think that sometimes less is more. I would say uh, I was hoping if something was said, it would be a little bit more to turn. We're evaluating everything. And, and, and I think when you 
particularly say the offense has been uh, addressed, you, you you're sort of going into a to a, a land that I don't like as a coach. And I'll be honest, I like Mac Rhodes. I like him a lot, uh, but I would tell him the same thing. But the more I read it, it wasn't as bad or heard it. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was. If you took Georgia, Washington, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Michigan, and, of course, Ohio State's playing Penn State, who would you say right now, based on what you've seen, the eye test, are the four best teams in the country? Man, I would tell you, right now, I'm in, uh, Washington is a score. They're exciting. They're a scoring machine. Michigan is, uh, you know, maybe two Big Ten teams, uh, along with Oklahoma. You know, I'm not sure. I watched the Georgia. Uh, Daryl Dickey is an analyst at Georgia, good friend of mine, great coach. And, and I watched that game because I'm I, I'm watching Georgia with interest. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt played them tough. I, I, I just think that once you get to the end, they're probably – you, you, those teams that you said are all in there, but but Washington is dynamic. They remind me of, of us at Baylor in in on offense 13, 14, 15. I mean, every play you better hold your breath. And, and you know what's interesting now? I'm going to tell you something. I told somebody when I was at Kansas State, we lost a very close game to o, OU the year they won the national championship, and our home goal was to come back and say we won them in Kansas City and we played them in for, you know, for the Big 12 championship and it was another great game. And I think they beat us 24-22. This Texas OU potential matchup at the end could be something. Phil, as a Florida State alum who had to play that Oklahoma team uh, in that national championship year, it makes me really sad you didn't win either of those games because they were well, absolutely yeah. the team of destiny that year. Well, you, you know, I, I, I don't. I think you're exactly right. I remember this: a bunch of Oklahoma coaches called me. I, I am. I'm watching that game, going, "Wow!" I think the score. You correct me, correct? Thirteen to three, wasn't that right? Thirteen to two. Thirteen to two. Yep. And, and they were partying. I was still up, and I was in Manhattan, Kansas. And I'm not going to say who it was, but they said, "Hey, just want to let you know, we're thinking about." You. He said, "Y'all were the best team we played." So oh. it, it gave me some comfort oh. at, 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 at oh. Kansas State. Shit, that hurt, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you know what? Seth used, Seth used to tell me. He said their whole team said it today. Kansas State was the second best team we played. Yeah, man. Those were some great, great games. You eventually got OU in the Big 12 championship. Yeah, we did. Snyder did, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we put a little Darren Sproles on them. Yeah, <laughs> little little running back voodoo, so to speak. Hey, Phil, as yeah. always – Great to hear from you. That, uh, the chat room loves what you do and, and loves your true serum and also your knowledge and experience. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. All, All right. right. Thank you very much. Phil Bennett with us. Every Monday in the 5 o'clock hour, it has been fantastic to have him on as much as we do. Uh, no question. Uh, on Mondays at 5 o'clock. When My we, stomach hurts. Uh, <laughs> we, we're on the radio right now. Yeah, yeah. The Rangers, Nathan Eovaldi getting out of bases loaded, no outs, and jam. A 5-2 to two lead and bases loaded, and you have to face, before it's done, Altuve and Bregman. Yeah, no, that was incredible. But, no, that was, that was really good stuff as well from Coach Bennett, as always. He's always uh, insightful. I like that he gave his take on the whole Mac Rhodes thing. Yep. and. 
Appreciated the honesty. Yeah, uh, appreciate his honesty on, on all the topics uh, that we, we covered there. So, yeah, always good stuff with uh, Phil Bennett. All right, uh, when we come back, we're not done. We have Jacob Unra. He covers Oklahoma State. And, my goodness, if they all of a sudden turn the corner, at why and how? And that's next, and this is 365 Sports. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SI. PC. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men... An exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. Cars price right, day and night. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Ben Erlinson, who'll navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. We have broken down pretty much everything we can. Uh, by the way, Colorado State with that Hail Mary, Paul included it in the open to beat Boise State. Uh, who's now lost in a last-second field goal to UCF and then that. 
But uh, we have kind of dug into everything. Jacob Unruh, the Oklahoman, he covers Oklahoma State and joins us now on 365 Sports. Jacob, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. So what has Oklahoma State done to kind of get themselves out of a hole, or is it they just kept doing what they do? Um, they did a little bit of what they did, what they normally do, but I think it's a big thing is they got the offensive line settled in and Dalton Cooper went to left tackle late in that, uh, um, South Alabama loss and that solidified things. And now they're looking at, you know, a better cohesive unit that has led to more, you know, better blocking. And, and I think you can't overlook selling on a quarterback and a running back. You know, you got Alan Bowman, Ollie Gordon, and they're both taking off in various ways. And I just don't think you can overlook that um, impact, but it really just starts at offensive line. It's an offensive line in the first three games. Two and a half, two, two and three quarters, whatever you want to say, was really, really bad. And now they've got that fixed. It's really had taken this offense to a different level. Jacob, with, with Alan Bowman settling in as the starter, um, I, I think one of the things is like nothing's been spectacular, but they it appears that they've adjusted the offense and the play calling to just uh, let him do what he's he's really good at and not try to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, you know, I think um, he's getting more and more comfortable. Losing those reps early in the year and the quarterback battle kind of hurt, I think, and slowed him down. But they built this offense to where Bowman can succeed. Uh, he doesn't have to do too much. Um, you know, they want him to throw the ball away. He's, he's real quick to throw the ball away when necessary. He he makes adjustments. He he runs better than I thought he did, but he's a game manager, too, at the same time. And he's not turning the ball over. Um, you know, Mike said today that he'd like to see him set his feet more and, and not have some of those off-balance throws because it's creating some dangerous situations. But um, for the most part, though, you got to be pleased with him because he's making good decisions. He reads the field well, um, you know, and – He's being aided by Ollie Gordon, obviously, but I think when you look at Bowman, this is what they expected, a veteran leader, a guy that teams can rally around, that doesn't make a lot of mistakes and doesn't take unnecessary risks. Well, you mentioned it there, Jacob. The other part of that offensive equation, along with the line, that was, you know, that obviously was the starting point, but Bowman and, and then Mr. Ollie Gordon, the second, right? Uh, the last three weeks yeah. just blowing up on the scene. Uh, huge performances. I know he had, you know, the big game uh, at the end of the year last year against West Virginia, uh, but how much of this was expected and just how impressed have you been by what you've seen here over the last month or so from Ollie Gordon? You know, I, I, you, I expected a big season out of Ollie um, based on how he finished last year and the classes we saw before that. But I don't know that we expected quite to this extent where they're giving the ball 18, 21, 29 times in three straight games. Um, and he's, you know, last week was the first player since 1989 to have 100 yards rushing, 100 yards receiving in a game uh, for OSU. And um, the, the kind of moves that he makes and – with the football and his ability to catch the ball and the energy he brings um, has been really impressive. Um, and really the energy stands out to me because it seems like OSU seems to feed off of him. You know, that he was the closer in those first two games of the season when they won and was the closer to South Alabama, but you couldn't run too much because they were so far behind. They were throwing the ball more. And, but the more Ollie gets the ball, the better the team is, the better Ollie gets, the better everything gets. And so they figured that out, and they're going to keep riding him as long as they can. Now I think they're going to slow down at times because you've got to keep him healthy. And um, 29, 29 carries a game isn't going to be feasible, especially unless you caught the ball here night too. So I think they're going to have some balance there, but you've got to ride Ollie as long as you can, especially as hot as he is right now. 
So as we're sort of here at the halfway point, things are starting to turn for the better for them. When you look at this offense now, what do you see that's still, I guess, a little bit of a concern? And and just kind of how do you view them now moving forward? Is everything sort of settled in? Or or what are the question marks remaining, you think, still for uh, for them uh, in the long run? Well, I think there's no question marks of how long the offensive line holds up. Uh, You know, Dalton Cooper got hurt the other day. Um, Gundy expects him to practice this week, but Jake Springfield flipped over there, that side of the line, and and filled in very, very well. But um, I just don't know how long you expect the line to hold up uh, throughout the whole season because there's going to be injuries happen, things like that. But um, I look forward, you know, that to be the biggest concern still moving forward and how Ollie Gordon holds up at this point too because you get other guys involved just to – keep him fresh. And so I think that's the biggest question. Um, and also I think you got to advance Alan Bowman more and get more out of him. He's not throwing a ton of touchdowns. you got to get more to the passing game. By the way, uh, Jacob, I'm not sure exactly when you started covering Oklahoma State, but uh, Ollie Gordon, and I brought this up, and I know that has nothing to do with Stillwater, but then again it does as a workhorse. In high school, in a playoff game, he had 49 carries for 455 yards against Allen, where Kyler Murray came from. He wasn't there at the time. So he loves getting carries. I mean, most running backs do. Yeah. But that's something, if you did not know that, that's kind of a, a, a nice little historical nugget. Yeah, that's good to know. I mean, I, I knew he was a quarterback in high school and did a lot for his high school and, did, and things like that and, and loves carrying the ball. And he talked about it. he gets stronger the more he gets the ball. Um, you know, so I'm interested to see how, they, how far they push him because – He's a big kid, you know, six one, six two, um, can really run. And it was funny talking to Mike Gunny today. He said the biggest concern they had with him coming out of high school, and it was a big concern for I guess a lot of different programs was they were worried about his speed. If he had enough speed to play running back at this level, with he's answered that. And he's a, he was funny though. He said if anything, if he doesn't have the speed, we'll just put him a linebacker. So they uh, they had a spot for him, but uh, it's easy really working out running back for him. What is it about Mike Gundy that allows him to navigate through the any kind of noise that ever pops up around him? You know, I, that's a good question. He's, I mean, he's very secure in himself, obviously. But, um, you know, I think Mike uh, has created a bubble for himself in a lot of ways, too, where a lot of the noise doesn't really bother him and stuff, too. And, and he's got security. I mean, that contract, I think, can allow him to kind of navigate through a lot of stuff in general because it's, it's kind of a lifetime good deal at this point and um, the buyout's really high and um, not that I'm saying that's what he rides on there but there's a lot of there's a lot of security a lot of faith for himself considering that you know he's about to be involved in his 400th game as a cowboy on Saturday as a player or coach and so um, that's a huge milestone and that just kind of you know gives you know plays into longevity and the value of Gunny to this program because. He came here in 1986, hot shot quarterback from Midwest City, played four seasons, uh, made an impact there, um, and then now he's turned this program. You know, he had him back there on some winning seasons, and now he's he's brought even more to the program. So I think you know when he you know, he faces tough scenarios stuff like that, um, he's been there, done that at this point. I wish you would know how to get through it. How is the defense holding up in your estimation? I know there were some moments, uh, you know, last game, but they were pretty good against a very stout Kansas running game. Uh, just what have you seen through them for the halfway point? I like what I've seen from the defense. You know, I think this three-three-five is good. It's good. it's not perfect. Um, it's not going. It was never going to be the first season, but I like that. You know, that they they do stop the run well. They focus heavily on that last week. Um, a couple of those long touchdowns from Bean were to same extent and were for him extending the play and allowing his receivers to, to get open after five, six, seven seconds, you know, and um, that, that was a little troublesome. They've had some, 
some struggles in the secondary at safety primarily. Um, some of that's injury-related. Lyric Rawls is out for the year. And so now they're, you know, they're going with two really young guys there, Cameron Epps and, and Dylan Smith. And um, that's been interesting. Trey Rucker has really struggled in coverage at safety, but it's really good against the run. Um, so they pick on the safeties a little bit, but they got a really good pass rush. They unleashed Colin Oliver late in the, the game the other night, who's the, their best pass rusher by a mile. Um, moved a linebacker, and uh, he's adjusted well. Nick Martin's been a really big surprise and uh, pleasant surprise, really, for OSU at the middle linebacker position and um, had 17 tackles against Kansas State. So he's, you know, they're getting the right pieces there in defense. I like when the defense is moving, uh, they can just get the safety position kind of lined up. Jacob, thank you for your time. Uh, again, from the Oklahoma on 365 Sports. Craig, one more? Yeah, Jacob, I mean, just what's kind of the, the, the twist in the wind of the emotions surrounding the, the team as a whole? I know that there was a great crowd the other night. Just how is this kind of this little, you know, little pocket of positivity? How has this maybe changed the perception? Um, and, and moving forward, looking at that schedule with all those newbies uh, to the Big 12 that are on that second half. I know Bedlam's still there as well, but mm-hmm. are, are thoughts changing dramatically or slightly less than dramatic as far as the expectations go now that the rest of the way? Um, I think they changed a little bit. I'm not sure. I think there's still some uh, hesitancy for some fans to get fully bought in yet just because um, they want to see how this can continue. They know Bedlam's looming, things like that. Um, and they know how last season ended after they had midway point. So right. uh, I think at this point, you know, I think there's some skepticism, but I think there's a lot more excitement than especially there was at the South Alabama and Iowa State losses. But, and you know, this is kind of the revenge tour. You know, they lost to Kansas State in an embarrassing way last season. They lost to Kansas in a similar, similar, similarly embarrassing way. Um, they lost to West Virginia. They played Saturday last season, too. So it's kind of the revenge tour right now for OSU and fans are getting fired up about that. Jacob, thank you. Appreciate you jumping on with us. Appreciate your time, Jacob. Under the Oklahoman covers Oklahoma State. They've won a couple in a row. And now all of a sudden, West Virginia coming up this week. And that you, you look, you have Texas, Oklahoma at 3-0, and and then a chunk. One, two, three, four teams at 2-1. and one. Iowa State has played the one extra game at 3-1. and one. It, it is a dogfight, and by the end of the year, who knows what's going to happen uh, at the top if it means both Texas and OU play again, as Phil Bennett suggested, or somebody else gets in that becomes the fly in the ointment. Well, that would be the best game on paper right now. Clearly, that would be the best game. I think, though, K-State with Avery Johnson and whatever that could turn into uh, could be formidable and could make some noise. I think TCU with Josh Hoover now, does that give them a spark? And then Oklahoma State, I think that, yeah, especially with their schedule. I mean, Bedlam, well, let's not get to Bedlam. That's still three weeks away. But the West Virginia game this weekend in Morgantown, if they can find a way to beat West Virginia – basically eliminate the Mountaineers in so many ways. And then you have all the newcomers and Oklahoma in there. And so that's – I don't know. I haven't been able to compare all 14 schedules, but that seems to me like that might could be the most ripe, at least as far as like the last five games go, is get all the newcomers but Oklahoma. And, you know, the Oklahoma game's at home. That's in Stillwater as well. So, uh, yeah, the schedule is – it looks good, but – you know, we'll see. they got to take care of the Mountaineers first, and I know that's easier said than done. All right, 5-3. Astros added another run as this thing goes into what is the sixth inning right now. Evaldi got out of seventh. that seventh inning, got out of that bases-loaded jam, but gave up a run in the bottom of the sixth. And Rangers lead 5-3 to three game two of that series. Now here comes Spores in the bottom of the Probably Spores the and then perhaps even uh, possibly LeClerc again. We'll see. Or you just stick with Evaldi. And see if he can go yet well, he, again. He's been nibbling. They've been yeah. nibbling away. I think you got to get him some water and a nice massage. 
think he's done all he can do for today, yeah. I think. All right. Uh, when we come back, we'll have Paul Catalina and his top five, and this is 365 Sports. Riverman Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and Dow in downtown Waco on Franklin Avenue. Two different great stores to show you, to, to serve you. Uh, downtown's more about, if you see something on social media, like, oh, that's a, a hip new cocktail or something like that, that's kind of where their focus is because they're downtown. They're kind of in the thick of things. And if you are looking for the classic, you know, uh, craft beers, that's what they've got there at Riverman Liquor and Wine. Or the craft whiskeys that are uh, bourbons that are local to Texas, the, your Balcones and Garrison Brothers and Devil's Rivers and things like that. But the customer service is second to none. They know their stuff at Riverbend Liquor and Wine. They are experts in everything. If you need suggestions, whatever it is, and, of course, the speedy drive through window at the original uh, will make your head spin. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, now with two locations to serve you. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDI see an equal housing lender. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa draft, son, they're the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Next in line. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top five post-week seven thoughts. I realize that this one may not have as many legs on YouTube, but look, I got to come up with a bunch of these, and this is just what I was thinking of this morning when I was doing the top five. Number five. 
Tez Walker makes UNC a contender. Not an ACC title contender. They're already that. But now, even with Drake May, who can who can slice up about anybody, he's that good of a quarterback, now they've got a dude who can win on every single route. And you can see why, outside of the fact that an injustice was done to Tez Walker, that they were fighting so hard for him because the dude can ball. He absolutely torched Miami for three touchdowns uh, this weekend. He's a physical presence out there. Uh, He is an absolute perfect fit for the offense. They're running at North Carolina. And last year, Drake May had Josh – the last couple years, Drake May had Josh Downs. Now he's got Tez Walker, and he's finally got a a true, true – and they've got – Their running back's really good. Everything's good about North Carolina. But Tez Walker is an X-factor player that when it comes down to, okay, say they do wind up playing Michigan in a college football playoff game, who can win on routes against Michigan? Tez Walker can win on routes against teams like Michigan. Yeah, we didn't touch on that, but that was one of the games that we picked, and um, that was a great win for North Carolina, who's now you know six and zero at the halfway point. But uh, there was a good story on you know his debut last week and. Uh, was against Syracuse, right? Yep. And had, you know, a handful of catches, but it was like 43 yards or something. Mm. And, you know, that's fine. Like, that's, you know, you're going to have games like that. But just for all of the hoopla surrounding his return, it was just not, not really anything notable. Um, but that was, you know, apparently a situation they had just given him like a set of, of plays, you know, just kind of get your feet wet. And then he and Drake May had some meetings together and, uh, they opened it up a lot more for this week, and we saw how well that worked. It worked really, really well for them. So, yeah, he changes that uh, that offense in a major way, changes that team's trajectory as well in a major way. Not sure he can do that every week, but, man, you add him with what Drake May's capable of doing, Hampton there at running back, and uh, that's that's a fancy new weapon that you got right at the right time if you're the Tar Heels for sure. Yeah. Mac Brown and company are unbeaten. Yeah, they're they're doing they're doing some really interesting things there uh, in Chapel Hill. Number four, how long is Brock Bowers out? Now, Georgia can overcome the loss of a star better than probably almost everybody in the country, but he's been the guy who's gotten them out of each and every jam they've been in this year, and he's not there now. So if he's gone for any kind of reasonable stretch of time, how does that affect their three-peat possibilities? Because, look, they probably don't have two losses on the schedule, but look, it's the SEC, and they've they've had scares from a 2-4 and four South Carolina team and a whatever is 2-4 and four, Auburn, 2-4 and four, Garrett as well. Uh, I'm honestly not sure. Yeah. Uh, well, both bad teams. I mean, they're not good. Auburn's three and three. Auburn's three and three. But they're, neither team is good. Uh, Auburn or South Carolina right now. And they've both put a charge uh, right into Georgia. So if that happens again and you don't have Brock Bowers to get out of that hole, they're not a Washington Stars like they were last year. They've got some really good players, but they don't maybe have the kind of guys that won them those last two titles. How does that affect Georgia going forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen a little bit of a coping of like, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal that they're still loaded for Bear, and, you know, Carson Beck will still find and have weapons and all that stuff, and that very well may be the case. But, man, I mean, talk about a bailout guy, a mm. safety pin guy, like a, a linchpin, um, a safety net, I think is what I was actually trying to say, and a linchpin, um, he's, he's a freak of nature and one of the best players in all of football and it certainly will be a guy we're talking about in the NFL very very soon as well so I don't know how even the best team's not hurt by losing maybe the best player in the game you know and and, or one of the best players in the game so yeah they're gonna miss him to what extent like you said is the big question um and this remaining schedule I mean they've got um 
three top 25 teams as it stands right now mm-hmm. uh, that are standing back to back to back, not not starting this week, but starting in two weeks with, uh, gosh, who is it? I was just looking at it a little while ago. Uh, they've got Missouri, Ole Miss, and Tennessee yeah. after Florida. So Florida first, though, and Florida, you know, hey, who knows with the, with the Gators. But, yeah, then Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee on the road, and then Georgia Tech on the road to close it out. So there's a couple teams in there that could give you a problem if you're not on your A game. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's a blow for Georgia without a doubt. Now, if anybody was built to overcome that, they'd be, like, first in line, right? One of, like, five teams maybe that you could say, like, they could overcome something along those lines. But, man, that's still a big loss. He has uh, ten more catches than anybody else on the team. And then after that, it's more than, more than uh, twice as much. He has nearly twice as much yards receiving than anyone else on the team. And then also has scored four touchdowns and nobody else has scored twice as far yeah. as the receiving core. Yeah, absolutely. Number three. USC has some soul searching to do. Yes, they do. They really do. That was that wasn't a close loss. That wasn't. Oh man, if we don't have these this little thing happen, no, they had a lot of bad things happen to them in succession. And Notre Dame was the better coach team, straight up and down uh, on Saturday night, and you know sent a message to the you know to, to USC that we don't care who your quarterback is we don't care what the hype is you're in South Bend now kids and we're playing big boy football and I was I was stunned that I wasn't stunned that Notre Dame won I mean they're a favorite in the game I was stunned that USC played that poorly and that Notre Dame um how they, much of that was Notre Dame well, forcing them? Like, yeah. Notre Dame capitalized on every like every time USC showed a little bit of weakness Notre Dame exploited it and it was it is what I do think about Marcus Freeman as he's finding his sea legs as a head coach. Just remember, this is only his second year. Like, I think you've seen his floor, and you're starting to see where he's stepping up. If he gets the guys there at Notre Dame, he coaches a really good game. He calls a very good game. He's got everything kind of handled there. He is in the modern, like, kind of young exciting coaches one of those guys who can make a program that can get kind of dull like Notre Dame and old and traditional seem cool again now look he has to recruit in different waters because of the academic standards there but if he makes Notre Dame cool again then watch out because it looks like he's doing that and beating the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and the team that's supposed to be the captains of cool goes a long way in doing that yeah they dominated that game yeah, somebody picked Notre Dame. Thank you for taking care of business. And I uh, didn't expect it to be that lopsided, but uh, that was a, a butt whooping. Uh, Audrey Estime is a really fun player to watch and a, a real good weapon there for the Irish combined with Sam Hartman. And uh, their defense played really well. I mean, I think that was the biggest thing is, you know, USC's defense, you expect them to give up some points or give up some plays or whatever. But the fact that Caleb Williams threw three picks – um, that they threw for less than 200 yards passing, that they barely ran for 100 yards on the ground. Um, that's that's the most concerning thing was, yeah, you got beat, you got beat badly, but it was your offense that really did not play very well at all. And uh, as good as Notre Dame's defense might be, I mean, that's, that's your bread and butter. So, um, yeah, very uncharacteristic performance from Caleb Williams and a bad showing overall for the Trojans. Still 6-1, and one, <laughs> still very much in control of things and and for the most part not all the way anymore but for the most part and with some huge games looming where they could really make a lot of noise and do some damage to the Pac-12 standings but yeah that one leaves you scratching your head a little bit about what's to come they dropped too it wasn't 
They didn't just like their USC, so they went from 8 to 9 or 12 or 13. They fell all the way in one poll, I think, almost to the like almost out of the top 20. Because you've been waiting for it. Yeah. They've, yeah. Been, they've been skating on thin ice for a little while. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Now, yeah, th- think about it if they've got – if they had Arizona coming this week instead of a couple weeks ago with Noah Fafita on a roll, mm-hmm. right? What would that game be like? Number two, we haven't seen the last of Oregon. I, I think that they're going to no. keep they're going to reinsert themselves back into the conversation. They're going to be right there, lurking around. Washington's going to you know breathe easier because they got through them at least one time. But really, really hope that somebody comes up and gets them again because as great as that game was for Washington, I'm sure neither of them want to see each other again. That was an absolute um, just barnstormer. And yeah, people are on Dan Lanning for being too aggressive, but. Again, he's just in his second year as a head coach right. too, right? He's figuring it out. Like sometimes gut plus analytics is the factor, not just gut regardless of analytics. I think that's where, where he's got to go, and he'll figure those things out. Um, and part of it was also, like I said earlier in the show, if you missed it, I don't fault him for going for it because those plays, if they work, win the game for you, every single one of them. They've just got to call better plays when they do that. And part of that is also a very young offensive coordinator in Will Stein who needs to know that as well. So, Yeah, I mean, there's things that they could have done better, but, I mean, you lost by three on the road to a top-ten team. Um, you know, like, I understand the hand-wringing, but, yeah, Dan Lanning is going to be better as a head coach and learn and make better decisions, but I feel pretty okay about where they are, all yeah. things considered. I think that Oregon's, like you said, going to be just fine. And they'll be favored in probably every game remaining for them. And maybe we see them in Washington part two. I, I wouldn't be mad at that, just like I wouldn't be mad at Oklahoma-Texas part two necessarily. So, um, yeah, I think that they're they're going to be A-OK. I was wondering about this, though. Well, a couple of things. One, Washington's receiving core is just so freaking nasty. Oh, God. Um, and, and they lost a guy during the game. Yeah. <laughs> lost Jalen McMillan during the game. Yeah. yeah, and he's very, very good. But, I mean, with Rome and Polk, I mean, they're, they're just so filthy. Uh, but – that had to be like one of the only matchups ever where the two quarterbacks, especially in a top 10 matchup, had NIX in their last names, right? Yeah. Penix and Knicks. I would have yeah. to think so. I know that's so random, but I just thought about like, what are the odds of NIX and two last names playing each other, top 10 game, all that? But yeah, I mean, we could very well see this again, and, and I wouldn't be mad at that because Oregon can leave that game going. If Dan Lanning does some things differently, or if just one little thing goes differently, we win this game. Yep. I mean, it was that close. So, yeah, this was a coin flip all the way, and it turned out to be very much that. Number one. By the way, Polk, one of the receivers, is from Lufkin from yes. uh, here in Texas. Yes. Jimbo's got a ticking clock. I don't know how fast it's ticking, but it's ticking. It could be another year, but I'm telling you after that, the clock has started ticking because now the proof is in the pudding because you've asked him to do something he didn't want to do which was bring in Bobby Petrino, and that's worked out a little bit for them, but also he's still making the same kind of decisions that hamstring even Bobby Petrino. So, I don't know. I think where FSU sits right now, we talked about it earlier, FSU, A&M sits right now, it's very, it's very strange because who do you go out and get? Because you're paying a $10 million coach, you kind of are who you are, so you're probably going to go get somebody who maybe he's not a $10 million coach, but is a $7 million coach, and is that guy the right fit for you? They really need to call back to Phil Bennett a, a, about an hour ago, the Bob Stoops to come in 
and win with Jimbo's players like he like Bob Stoops did with John Blake's players. I'm not saying Bob Stoops specifically, but Bob Stoops came in, won a title with John Blake's players. They need that guy right now and then figure out the long term after that. You think they're gonna give the next guy just seven million a year? Yeah, that's that, the other I mean that's that would be their bargain. But right? just go find the right coach, Craig. Yeah. yeah, I I need to rewind a little bit because I also want to make mention of that Washington Oregon game of our buddy Will Nixon. Yeah. Got a carry in that game. We covered him at Midway. But you had a Knicks, a Nixon, and a Penix. <laughs> yeah. That has to be a first, right? Yeah. Yeah. Three last names different Absolutely. with NIX in it. Anyways, that's like a Jeopardy thing or something. But that just – I thought that that was kind of unique. Um, but, yeah, Jimbo, I, I don't know how you can't, you know – at least admit that there is some some ticking going on at this point. Like even the most positive, optimistic ags out there have to think that yeah, there's there's some ticking going on at this point. I just don't know though, Paul. Like I, you just can't go buy championships. No, you, know? you can't. And um, they've tried to, and they haven't been successful at that. They've had measures of success, but you know, as far as getting over that hump, um, yeah, you can't just you know write a check and hire just a certain coach who's done it before and expect that that's going to be the case. And so I don't know where they turn to now. Um, I don't know if the answer is to go non-huge name head coach, or is that just too enticing that they got to have the, you know, who's the next big name guy that they could potentially go and get. Um, I know the money seems to never run out, so who knows, but I, I do think I'm with you on as far as the, like A&M is supposed to be not they're not supposed to be the big blank check school even if they have it they're supposed to be more of the country in the dirt ag school right and so this whole idea of basically just going and trying to buy a title has always kind of flown in the face of I feel like sort of what their ethos is in so many ways yeah. right and so I'm kind of with you that yeah like they need more of a of a Bob Stoops before he became famous Bob Stoops and somebody who's not like the big splash so that Twitter goes crazy but the guy who maybe you don't get the big round of applause at the opening press conference, but damn it, you're going to be really, really good in a couple of years, and you're going to be surprising people, and he'll become the talk of college football. Not he already has been there, done that somewhere else. Now we're going to have him just come over here and do it here. No, somebody carve out their own mark. I mean, and at this point, that's really the only way they can turn because they've done the alternatives now at this stage. And so, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a pickle they find themselves in. They're better equipped to deal with it than a lot of other schools would be. But, yeah, it's it's a bit of a mess. And, and they only had themselves to blame with that Jimbo contract. But I know that's what they had to do to get him in the first place. But it has not worked out like they thought. Go find somebody that fits and um, and and can, like, cultivate what you have and, and perhaps just in the, like, chipping away the hard way and winning when you get to that point of winning. It's not just with uh, a bunch of – uh, bells and whistles, and and perhaps with uh, whatever. Also, someone who's fun, man. Yeah. Jimbo's getting to be a bit of a I bus kill. I say this kill. before. Tell me if I did. I watch his post game the last couple of weeks, and he spends the first fifteen minutes basically going over every single situation during the game. Neil Brown does that too, rather than actually just giving a statement and taking questions and then moving forward. I think he does that because he's trying to explain why he didn't make the. He's hoping people. Yeah. He's trying to explain why, oh, I know that everybody else in the country is going for it on fourth down when they're at the opponent's uh, 39-yard line, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to punt because I'm expecting the other team to come out in the wishbone yeah. for some yeah. crazy I think, reason. I think the idea to hire him and the investment was brilliant mm-hmm. off, 
on the surface and initially it's like hey yeah that's a, a big swing with a, a big stick but yeah it's just not it's not working to the levels that they thought and you know I, I said Neil Brown a second ago I've just seen at least a couple of his press conferences where he comes in he goes like play by play almost I don't know if he does that every week but his wasn't filibustering I think that's just what some coaches do mm-hmm. kind of do that you know they go over the game initially but I think in Jimbo's case given the results and whatnot it probably is a little bit of filibustering and it's interesting you say that because that's been the thing with Dave Aranda. It's one thing when you're losing. It's another thing when you're losing and you're not having any fun whatsoever. There's nothing to really rally around. And so, yeah, that is something that can be a, a double whammy of sorts for you if you're, you're Jimbo Fisher and your personality is not the most lovable while you're also losing with those big checks that you're cashing. One quick note from the chat room from Brock. Good to have you. The Big 12 is back to being unpredictable, and I love it. All of a sudden, Damn. Oklahoma State looks like a Big 12 championship contender. Not sure about a contender, but they're in the mix. They're in the mix. And they play West Virginia, who was in the mix. And then they lose on that Hail Mary, and it's going to be fun to watch the grind of how that stand, how the standings eventually, how it all works out in the end. What a win for Houston that was, though. I mean, they desperately needed that, and they're in that weird situation where they don't even want Holgerson, I think, to be winning any games because it like goes against what they want. That yeah. They want a new coach, I think, a large portion of their fan base. Mm-hmm. But that was still a great win, snatching – Victory from the jaws of defeat. A great throw by Donovan Smith and a great play to come down with it. But, yeah, we started the week with a Hail Mary, ended the week with a Hail Mary with Colorado State and Braden Fowler Nicolosi, who's a Texas guy. And the Big 12 is, is wild and unpredictable, like you said. Uh, by the way, Joey Foster sent me a text over the weekend, big West Virginia fan. Uh, he's retiring from what he does. He's in the podcast business, so we can spend more time with his wife, who suffered uh, a heart issue, and she's okay. But I wanted to say, hey, Joey, we're thinking about you and your family uh, the uh, 365 Sports tonight at 10.30 on the CW, every weeknight at 10.30 on the CW. All right, when we come back tomorrow, we'll have plenty more to kind of chew into. In fact, Sam, Sam Kahn on AM, among others. Uh, for Garrett Ross and Jack McKenzie, for Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke, for you, our audience, viewers, listeners, Sikkim 365 app and on 365 Sports, I'm David Smoke, and thanks to our sponsors. Have a great Monday night. MRI is a small family business right here in